Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. That's why the headline in the Star this morning calls it Dudley Moore, as in Moore, Osquelga, but it's a great headline. They call it Double Jeopardy because there are two coming in. Dudley's first and then Eunice will come afterwards. Now, it looks as if, according to Med Aaron, we'll have a yellow. Uh, not the greatest fan in the world of, um, you know, status alerts. They call it a yellow uh, for particularly four counties. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll get an awful lot worse across the West. And you're talking about things like uh, Donegal and Mayo and Galway and, and Clare. But we'll get it too, don't you worry. Uh, they're saying the schools will remain open during the stormy weather, so Dudley Moore is the headline making the front of the star this morning. Um, the dreaded USC is here to stay. I put that question uh, to Michael McGrath on air on Friday and they're not for budging on the most hated tax, I think, in this country. Uh, all taxes disliked, of course, but we've got to pay it and that's the way the country rolls, I suppose. But at the same time, this was supposed to be temporary many years ago. But politicians moving their lips, need I say any more. So they're not going to abolish it um, because, uh, you know, they just need the money in spite of uh, cost of living co- uh, costs and prices continuing to absolutely soar. Mind Jimmy Hall is saying that it's hopeful that the soaring cost of living driven by inflation is just a temporary phenomenon. So I suppose he's got his fingers and his legs crossed, hopeful that the uh, price rises that everybody is witnessing and experiencing these days is temporary. But um, the attack, the traumatic attack on a brother and sister uh, on Lee side in the early hours of Sunday morning makes the front of most of the newspapers. And I spoke with uh, Mary O'Halloran on air yesterday morning. She was telling us how the masked raider held a knife to her throat. And it's uh, a story, Mary's story, and indeed her brother, Jerry, their story is picked up by all of the papers this morning. Raider held a knife to my throat is a, a headliner from the Mirror today. The Daily Mail burglar put knife to my throat and threatened to stab me. Elderly sister and brother subjected to a terrifying ordeal. Guard investigations are ongoing on that one. The examiner this morning, Anne Murphy, says intruded. This is a quote from Mary O'Halloran herself, the 84-year-old sister of Jerry. Intruder said he was going to stab us if we didn't give him the money. Uh, and they did substantial amounts of money. They robbed. He robbed her of all that she possessed and also robbed um, Jerry of all that he possessed. I think he got away with something like 17 or 1800 euro. Meanwhile, the GoFundMe that was set up by a couple of paramedics who came to their aid, it's a wonderful gesture. The campaign set up by Keith uh, Harrington and Sean Healy has now closed at over €31,000. And some of the people who donated, of course, uh, remained anonymous. And, uh, you know, I don't see any difference between somebody who gives a fiver and somebody who gives 500 It's still kind and generous. Some people did donate uh, big amounts of money, but people gave what they could afford. And that's the wonderful thing. And I've said it over and over again. You will find nowhere more generous and kind than the people of Cork. Meanwhile, uh, a story that makes the echo today deals with attacks on Gardaí. And while they give a figure of 466, the GRA is saying that's only the tip of the iceberg. And there's probably an awful lot more than that with regards to Gardaí on Lee side who've been injured across the country or physically assaulted here in Cork. So they don't give the full picture, they're saying, but it's becoming a lot more dangerous a job for members of the Garda Shikana. And of course, knife crime has an awful lot to do with it. Garda just don't know who they're coming up against these days. And of course, knife crime and knife attack, as we saw on Boyce Street, is a bigger problem now than it was last week, last month and last year. And it just continues to get worse. Uh, Life on the North Side as well is a story that makes the echo today. Tommy Gould is livid uh, that the North Side just continues to be forgotten about, consistently neglected by the powers that be. I 
imagine he's having a swipe at local government and national government, and certainly at national government. He says the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, recently announced funding of €405 million Euro for urban regeneration in Cork. But would you believe it? None of it, as in none of that money, went to the north side whatsoever. Meanwhile, of course, Sinn Féin are livid. I think it was one of the shortest tweets that Mary Lou MacDonald ever put up on Twitter. She said, words fail me. Good night. Of course, this was in response to the Claire Byrne live show uh, on TV. Apparently, they had a television show last night on RTE debating uh, why Irish people should not vote for Sinn Féin. I know, bizarre. They tried to balance it, apparently, by having some Sinn Féin supporters. But others are asking, and one of them, one of the questions I would ask, well, do you intend to do the same now for why people shouldn't vote for Fianna Fáil? Will you do it as well for Fianna Gael? Will you do it for the Greens? Will you do it for Labour? Or what's going on here? She says, words fail me. Meanwhile, with regards to a story that we deal with a lot on air here, interesting statistics making the echo today. 300 offers of social housing made by Cork City Council last year, wait for it, were refused. 60% of the refusals had to do with the fact that the applicants decided to decline the offer of housing because the area or the property in which the house was based um, was uh, unsuitable. I can't actually drill in because the article doesn't drill into what they mean by unsuitable, but over 300 offers turned down for people. And imagine some of these people were on housing lists for a long, long time. I would love to hear from anybody. Now, not everybody would wish to come on air to tell me why uh, they turned down social housing, but I'd like to know, and you're welcome to call in. Or indeed, if you just prefer to text as to why you perhaps, and I won't give out your details if you don't want, turn down social housing from Cork City or Cork County Council, then you can WhatsApp your text because we still just have WhatsApp, unfortunately. So WhatsApp your text to 086-8104-106. You heard in the news this morning that Blarney Castle are bidding to stop a supermarket and hotel in Blarney and that's going to go all the way to the High Court to challenge it. And the papers also, you know, the old C word or the O word whatever you wish, COVID or Omicron, it ain't gone away, you know. Uh, But the National Parents Council is saying it's time now to just get rid of masks in schools and move on. Meanwhile, of course, students have been asked questions about, you know, how do you like, how did you manage over the last two years with blended learning? You know, it's a really funky term, isn't it? Blended learning is kind of sometimes in the classroom and then at home and many times in the bedroom with the laptop. And most of them are dissatisfied with online learning. You got to be I suppose you got to be in the room when it happens, don't you? And you heard on the news also with Rory there that Jimmy Carr is still making the news, although I've got a different twist in it. He's agreed, according to the Mirror, to drop his controversial jokes, including the Holocaust gag from his live shows. So he says, I suppose I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that he's going to tone it down. Mind you, Graham Norton got into a bit of hot water for a gag that he shot off there recently on the BBC. Although I... Personally speaking, I think we're taking it a step too far um, with regards to people who are upset about Graham Norton's gag. The BBC has said that there is no subject off limits in comedy. Um, uh, and that's in quotes. So if they actually did say that, I'd be quite worried because there are some subjects, of course, that should be off limits in comedy. But apparently, uh, Graham Norton said recently on television, you know, the way he does, apparently he takes a look at the different news stories of the week. He said, this week... 
He was talking apparently about uh, Boris Johnson. He says, this week, Boris flew off to Ukraine. Or if you're watching on catch-up television, he flew off to southwest Russia. Now, I know people are kind of touchy-feely about the matter and, you know, invasion of other people's countries and stuff like that. But I think comics have to be given some kind of a bit of leeway. And I have to say, I thought that was... I thought it was a clever joke. I mean, we don't want it to happen, but a clever joke nonetheless. Natalie Imbrulier has said that she might be the one uh, to save neighbours. She says that she's happy and up for a return to neighbours. She'd want to move fairly quickly, wouldn't she? Because they're going to axe the show. They might think again if Natalie Imbrulier comes back. Who knows? And there's a company then making the Echo. I think they're down in East Cork, I think Seamus was telling me. They're called Clever Tots Toy Club. Um, and they uh, have launched their company and they're looking for toy testers. Imagine if you little son or daughter who could be a toy tester. They'd absolutely love it. So they send you, apparently, a delivery of uh, four age-appropriate and eco-friendly toys for a month. Your kids test them, and then you send them back with your report, and they send you more. And it goes on and on and on. I think it's a winner. You can Google it yourself. Clever Tots Toy Club. If I get a chance to talk to them, I will. Anyway, lines open. Pick up the phone. 0818104106. Remember, we're WhatsApping text again this morning. Uh, so WhatsApp your text to 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. All right, lads. It's recap time as we do on stories that are live. It's always important to go back. And in November of 2021, Louise, Dean and Jack received the worst news they possibly could have. Um, Connor, a wonderful, playful, cheeky little three-year-old was diagnosed with inoperable an inoperable brain tumour in the UK and he passed away on the 31st of January and we were chatting um, with family members last Friday and one of the issues is they want to bring the little lad home uh, to be buried here and there was a problem with one of the passports because a lot of the family want to go over you know and then come back with Connor and there was an issue with one of the passports. Now, I know that Seamus intervened uh, on behalf of the family, but just to pick up on the story, I'm joined by Connor, uh, that little lad's uh, niece, uh, that little lad's aunt, uh, Therese, and she joins me by phone again. Therese, good morning. Good morning, Liam. Um, I'm good. Uh, that's kind of the, 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 the scene set. I'm not, I'm not missing anything yeah. up because there's a lot of the family yeah. will be flying, about 30 of you, I think, isn't it, to London? Yeah, yeah, yeah about 30 of us tomorrow morning. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, just a credit to yourself and the show and to Seamus in particular. Last Friday, once your show finished, within one hour, the Taoiseach's office had been on to us. All right. Can, actually, Seamus can jump in there if he wants, if you can get a pair of headphones. He can tell me exactly exactly what happened in a second. When you hear his voice, he'll, he'll be live. But So, so yeah. all but one could travel because of what, was the, what was the problem? Not, she wasn't deemed to be... Um, um, an immediate, an immediate family, family member. Yeah. 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 Even yeah. though we explained everything to the passport office that we had, um, our nephew had passed away very suddenly and we needed to go over and apparently she was an immediate family and even though that there was, she was told about the death, it didn't matter. Yeah. That wasn't... And did uh, she know, nothing. did she know that there was a chance she would be the only one not going for Connor's removal? Um, yes. Yes, she did. Um, and that was, it didn't, didn't bother the lady in question in the password office. That didn't bother her. She said it was irrelevant of the person's death or anything. Um, but poor Kate, we wanted Kate to be there. We didn't want her to be the only How old is Kate? Is she, she about six, is she? 
case is 12. 12, sorry. Yes. You have so many passports 12. on the go for kids. I get confused with ages. My apologies. <laughs> all right, all right, Seamus. 12. So what happened when what happened when we got off the air? Well, uh, when we got off the air, I got on to uh, on Taoiseach Michal Martin's office and uh, in fairness, they took it on board straight away. Um, I spoke to his, uh, his personal secretary and um, she uh, jumped on it and she was being... I, she was in contact with um, Katie's mother all through the weekend and I think Michal Martin spoke to her on two occasions as Himself. well. Himself did, Michal. Himself, yeah. Right, brilliant. Um, because, like, they could see from the emotional interview that Therese gave us what on Friday. did you send the interview, the chat with Therese, yeah? I, well, I sent the audio and I okay. sent uh, a long script as well as to um, the background to the story and they saw that it wasn't just... Um, it wasn't just a holiday that it was something very important. Absolutely, absolutely. It so, is on compassionate grounds. Yeah. After all. Okay. Yeah. All right, well done, Seamus. Fair play to you. So at that stage then, Taoiseach's office intervened, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when did you get the news that the passport had been sanctioned, Trace? Um, Friday evening, we checked up um, seeing how well the process was, and it said that I was in printing. And then yesterday morning, Checked the application again, and they said it was out for delivery. That's so great. So yesterday yes, evening, then we got notification that Unpost had it. So obviously it's in court, out for delivery this morning. So Kate is delighted she's come with us. I know under the circumstances, it's not a happy trip, but she's going to be with us. I know. Poor old little Connor. Of course, we got to remember him and all of this. Little three-year-old Connor who passed away, of course, and his family. Yeah. All of you are totally heartbreaking, broken. Oh, but it's devastating. At least it's, it's some small consolation that everyone will be there to bring him back yeah. to Leaside. Exactly. Uh, now, exactly. it's got to arrive in the post today. It has to arrive today. Yeah. You know? Yes, exactly. So even Keyshock's office went to and Teresa, Kate's mom yesterday, and they rang to find out had she received it. And she told her, no, it hasn't been received yet, but it is in court. It okay. is out for delivery today. Okay. Okay. So at least even up to yesterday, they were actually in contact with us. That's good. Great. Unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it takes, you have to go to the top of the tree uh, to shake out an apple. But at least we managed to get her across the line. And I'm very happy exactly. to be able to have done that and Seamus as well, because it's I'm just so very important. Because she is, of course, but close family, without a doubt. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And a million thank yous to all of you there for all the hard work that he Well, you know, we don't get them all over the line, so it's great to hear when we do, you know. So I'm delighted for that, and I'm delighted for you. And I'll let you get on now to plan your yeah. trip, to mourn that beautiful little boy, and to bring him home. All right, Therese? Yeah. Listen, thank you, Neil. And thank you again to everybody, and to Seamus as well. All right. I appreciate okay. that. You're we welcome. All, appreciate it. all the best, you know. Thank you. Take care, take okay. care. Okay, um, I just want to deal with another story that that is live at the moment, uh, and particularly in Bishopstown, not too far from where I am at the moment. The entrance uh, to the Dunn Stores uh, car parks blocked by parked tractors, farm vehicles. They say they plan to stay there for some time and for some time to come. These are Cork farmers determined to remain there until um, the supermarket giants. And we're not just talking about Dunn's, Tesco, Centra, SuperValue, and Lidl sit down and talk to the farmers. I wonder what they want to talk about. Tim Cullinan is a pig farmer herself and president of the IFA. He's standing by in Bishopstown, I think. Tim, good morning. That's right. Are you there? Yeah, I am. I can, yeah. Would you tell us all and everyone that's listening why farmers are unhappy? 
Yeah, I suppose first of all, the reason farmers are unhappy is we've had this extraordinary increase in the cost of production. We've had a 60% in cost in the feed used for feeding our animals, uh, almost a 100% increase in the cost of energy, and uh, at almost a 300% increase in the in the cost of fertilizer. And um, we uh, set out on a round of engagement with all the main retailers. You know, I, I wrote to all of the meat retailers around Christmas time and we've had engagement with most of the major retailers. The only ones that have refused to engage with us is done stores. And I suppose the reason for this engagement is you know, we want to come up with a plan to be able to sustain our members uh, right across the country to get through this crisis. And it's about a, a fair redistributing of the, the margin along the food supply chain. Right. And just to give you an example with chicken, the, our, our ask for farmers is two cents on an egg that would work back through the system, back to the farmer, and uh, 15 cents on a chicken. You know, that's a reasonable ask, and you know, it's not going to impact on you know, all we're hearing about food inflation. We've suffered massive inflation in our business. Have the other and, have the other supermarket chains, the likes of your Tesco's, your Lidl, your Aldi and Super Value, all agreed to the two cent on the egg and the 15 cent on the chicken? No, they haven't agreed yet, but we are. We had engagement with them, and what they're doing at the moment is have an engagement with their suppliers yeah, yeah. to see, see what can be done there, and that engagement is taking place. But the problem we have is, and the reason we're here in Bishopstown is, we've had no engagement with Duns, and you know, that is very frustrating for us. Have they just and said they won't? They just won't look at revisiting the prices, is it? No, they did, they did, there has been no correspondence at all. Okay. None whatsoever. Okay. I told, we're reasonable people, Neil. We don't want to be disrupting the people here in, in Cork City this morning. But at the same time, you know, we have to take a stand on behalf of our farmers. Our farmers are here with us. We were here right through the night last night and we'll be here until all we need is um, confirmation from... Uh, senior management in Dunn stores that they will um, engage with ourselves and try and come up with a resolution around this. That's okay. all we're okay. asking Like for. the price of everything has gone up, you know, right across all of the supermarket shelves. Are you saying that people aren't already paying more for eggs and chicken when we go to do our weekly shop? Well, if they are... You're not getting it, is it? We're not, we're not getting it. Absolutely. It's not coming back to us as farmers. And maybe the price has gone up and you know, maybe your, your listenership can, can comment on that. But I know for certain we would not be here this morning in Bishopstown only any of those price increases have not, really, uh, have not been passed back to farmers back along the chain. And is it the same then for pig farmers and what have you when it comes to rashers or sausages or a piece of bacon or pork? Absolutely. Uh, the situation with pig farmers at the moment is because feed is 70% of the cost of the production of or producing a pig. And as a whole, in around the country, farmers are losing approximately 2.5 million per week at the moment. That's the losses that farmers are sustaining. And I suppose the other point in all of this is, well, if consumers want to be able to continue when they come into retailers to be buy Irish produce, well then, you know, we, we need some support around it. Yeah. I think you know, we've always had excellent support from Irish consumers in buying Irish produce. And what's going to happen here is, like the, the, the Irish lettuce or the Irish Brussels sprout or the Irish packet of rashers or chicken will be coming from you know, uh, from countries way outside of, of no, but sure That's happening already. Most, yeah. most of our green veg is coming from uh, South America and Spain and Africa, isn't it? It is, Neil. And look, 
I had um, engagement with, in particular, one large grower in North County Dublin just has given up the ghost on, on, on supply, growing for a major retailer, decided uh, this is a farmer that had uh, 800 acres producing mainly cabbage and decided this year, just I'm not going to take any Why? He can't get the price, is it, to make it worth his while? Yeah. Absolutely, he just can't get the price to make it worth his while. And you know, that's why you know, farmers' backs are up on this one. And I suppose, Neil, the other part of this is something we have been looking for for years is uh, government and ministerial intervention here as well. Like, our minister is in Dubai, you know, and, and I think it's welcome with Borbia that they're out there you know, trying to establish more markets for Irish produce. Yeah. But he said from Dubai last night that farmers cannot continue producing food below the cost of production. Yeah, I know. And I saw a tweet there recently from a farmer called yeah. Francie O'Gorman. Did you see it? He uh, had a photograph of massive big bales of feed. Did you see it? I didn't actually know. Okay, well, here, here's what he said. He had, ma- he had a photograph yeah. of massive bales of feed. I don't know if that's the right term. Huge big bags of it. He said, how are farmers yeah. expected to cover this? He says, here's a reality check. He says, this exact same load in 2021 cost me €9,360 on account. Today, the same load cost me €21,500 payment up front over nearly two and a half times the cost. That's feed. Yeah, that's that's right. That's that's where we're that's where we're at at the moment. And look, what I've been asking the minister to do is, uh, I know he is bringing primary legislation around the food regulator. You know, somebody w- will be able to go along the food supply chain and see where the margin is at. But the other thing he needs to do here, he's right about the bl- producing below the cost of production. But he needs to legislate. He needs to legislate now around that, and once and for all, to you know, get rid of this practice where retailers have been using meat and vegetables and dairy produce as loss leaders yeah. in their stores yeah. to attract uh, footfall into their stores for years. Yeah. Look, we just cannot sustain it any for any longer. But are our chickens we, not? Co- are a lot of chickens not coming in from from overseas? No, no, no. The vast majority of the chicken in Irish stores are Irish. That's so good. Yeah, at least. Yeah, there's but three, there's, yeah, there's, there's three processors of 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 chicken in the country, and the vast majority of of the chicken is Irish. Now we had that campaign for a long number of years. I was involved myself many years ago. So in campaigns. Uh, trying to convince retailers to use Irish produce, particularly in the chicken and the pig meat products. Okay. And you know, we, we've got um, a fair uptake on that. Obviously, there's always some coming in. And you know, we understand as well, we're an exporting nation, and we have no problem with that either, provided it's clearly identified you know, that you, you know that your chicken is Irish. Okay, or, okay. Or the, um, the, Red FM News this morning are reporting that tensions are fraught in the car park in Duns between protesting farmers and shoppers, you seem to be inconveniencing shoppers, to put it mildly. Yeah, I suppose, look, Neil, we don't want to be inconvenient anybody, but look, it, it, this is a very serious issue, and it is impacting and, uh, on the livelihoods of our, our, our farmers, and, uh, you know, and I would say to your listeners there this morning, as I said at the start of the interview, we don't want to be here, we don't want to be inconveniencing anybody but you know, this is at boiling point and this can be resolved in five minutes this morning if senior management of Duns will make contact with our association and say they will engage with us well we'll be out of here in five minutes. And has anybody come out to you and said okay back off for the tractors we'll talk? No. Nobody has engaged to say if you back off that we will talk. Nobody okay. at all. Okay. And how long have you been there? 
We've been here since uh, 11 o'clock yesterday and we have another group of farmers that have been in Monaghan since 4 o'clock yesterday morning and we were here right through the night last night and we we intend to continue here until we get engagement from Dunsort. Okay, we'll stay in touch with you. Thanks for now, Tim. Appreciate you taking the call. And Tim Cullinan, big farmer himself, president of the IFA. Alan O'Connor was at Bishopstown uh, branch with a big, massive supermarket uh, mall, of course that houses done stores and, and a lot of others besides and she spoke with uh, one of those there was um, Nigel Sweetman who's the chairman of the IFA poultry committee I think actually he may well have addressed the issue of inconveniencing uh, customers this morning and Nigel Sweetman I'm uh, chairman of the IFA national poultry committee I'm a poultry farmer from Kinsale and Nigel you're getting a little bit of abuse here this morning from, from customers from done stores customers how are you feeling about that? I'd much rather be at home minding my chickens and uh, looking after my farm. But we've come to a stage here, we've been looking to meet with Duns since before Christmas. Our, uh, the, uh, our, our costs have gone through the roof. I'm looking for a future for my three sons that are at home farming with me. The, uh, we would just, all we want is engagement from Duns stores. That's the, the key here. Just someone to come out of the store and talk to us and say, we'll talk to you about price. We're having a big ask. We're looking for 15 cents for ourselves to cover our costs on the price of a whole chicken and two cents on an egg. It's not a big ask because the uh, chicken is being used by the supermarkets as a discounted product to get people into the store. So probably we're looking for respect for for our product as well and down the line that everybody has a future in farming. And Nigel, will you stay here for the day? Oh, I've been here all night. I'm here since uh, 11 o'clock yesterday morning. I haven't been home to my farm. Okay. And is it really impacting? I mean, you seem a little bit emotional as well. Is it tough to see your, your industry being squeezed as it is? It's phenomenal because I'd like to thank Tim Cullinan for coming down and giving us the support. Because without the national organisation, we've no, we've no future. We need, we need the support. And 95% of the public have been very understanding to us. They know, they've all seen their own household bills increase. We'll multiply that by 100 and that's the pressure we're under. Okay, that's from this morning. Thanks, Anna. There's some uh, argy-bargy as well, apparently, between some of the customers and some of the farmers, by all accounts. A lot of people actually would travel long distances to come up to Bishopstown uh, and would have come from the likes of areas of West Cork. So as they come up and then they can't get in, they're a bit annoyed. But did anybody ever think, actually... That the price of a chicken is, I mean, they're quite low. I, I think anyway. I mean, I've seen chickens for, I thought around four ninety nine for a 700 gram chicken. The lads here are saying you can get them as low as three ninety nine. Now, they wouldn't be the cruel, the, they, they would be kind of the crueler rearing of chickens, I suppose, that not the organic ones or the, or the free range would be dearer. You could pay seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine 99 for those. But, and even I'm seeing on the screen now, 1.4 kilogram free range chicken, 550 in Duns. But the ones that aren't free range in the supermarkets are much cheaper. I only mention it because I wonder how anybody could make a profit on rearing a chicken and get it all the way through the food chain and onto the shelves for 3.99 and 4.99. Now I know it's a very important part of everybody's diet and everybody loves chicken and it's something that the kids will eat and everything. But it's always struck me as it seemed always very, very cheap to me, considering what we're actually talking about, uh, a chicken, uh, certainly for three ninety nine or, or four ninety nine, And you can't even see where any profit would be in there, but there clearly is profit for uh, for the supermarket chains. But the actual producers feel they know more profit in it for them because, of course, their energy costs, their feed costs and everything 
have gone through the roof. Back after the break, you can get involved in the conversation. WhatsApp your text to 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Well done to everybody that contributed that GoFundMe for Mary and her brother Jerry. Uh, and we wish Jerry a recovery in hospital as to whether he goes back to Boyce Street or not. We shall have to wait and see. Uh, but I know that that money, of course, will be well spent. You know, you talk about people in their own home. I saw a story online last night, actually, where there was a, a young girl um, called Kiara Ki- uh, Connolly, a 21-year-old student who's uh, sharing a house with two of the young female students and a young man. Uh, and apparently she woke up to find a man at the end of her bed. I know, it's, it's shocking. And what a fright she must have got. Apparently this was last Thursday night. Her housemates were on a night out. Thursday night's a, a big night out for students and and the young, um, and another was at work and she was at home in bed and she woke up at five, at four in the morning to find a man standing at the end of the bed. Apparently she heard the door creaking. I know, hard to believe, isn't it? She's since left and gone back home to Tipperary and she doesn't know whether she'll be able to go back again. But anyway, it was pitch dark, she said. I couldn't see anything. The man had a very high-pitched voice and a foreign accent and I just thought it was some boy joking. She says, I could only see the shadow of his hands but he was holding them up and trying to hush me. So I started screaming louder, she said. She believes that the man was afraid that her neighbours would hear her scream and he left through the front door and she said, I waited a few minutes to hear if he was still downstairs, went down, locked the door and rang the guards. I mean, that is traumatic, isn't it? Good God almighty to wake up at four in the morning to find somebody standing at the end of your bed. Doesn't bear thinking about. But you know, when you talk of issues like um, the attack on Mary and uh, Jar O'Halloran in his home in Boyce Street, and I chatted yesterday morning on the air with Mary, I was thinking more about that yesterday as to how does anyone recover from something like that? And, and the reason I was thinking about it was if it was someone who was considerably younger with a long life ahead of them, of course, they may have uh, more time on their hands to process it throughout their life and to recover from it. And, and I hate using labels, and I, I think it's awful to use labels like like we do, and I'm guilty of it as well. When we talk about attacks or assaults or invasion of privacy of the elderly or the vulnerable or the isolated or the alone. And they're the kind of labels we put on people. I mean, some people actually like their independence and they like being alone, you know, and I don't want to make things any worse for them. And not everybody that's elderly or alone actually is vulnerable, and some people don't even feel elderly. But I'm just wondering, how difficult is it, is it for somebody, say, at the ages of, of Mary or, or, or Jer, for that matter, to recover? You know, he's 79, Jerry. Mary's 84 years old. Uh, how do they come back from that? So a lot of the time they can come back with the help of organizations like Support After Crime. So I asked Sally Hanlon to, to think about that and chat with, the, chat with me on that topic this morning, just on that section uh, of recovery after an attack like that. Sally, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Is it much harder... Uh, when you're much older? Obviously it is because you've had more memories and you've had, you spent your life at at that stage without having had too, too much of a traumatic experience. So it's not impossible. I'll put it that way. And with local support and maybe more secure house and security put into the house, it is possible to continue to live if that's their choice. If not, they must be helped in every way to get proper, adequate, secure accommodation. Yeah. As in moved to a brand new location? Brand new location, upgraded house, um, not centered on things wrong with their house now. But, you know, where they feel secure, because the important thing is 
feeling secure and the fear that this will happen because that morning was a very ordinary morning to them. They wasn't suspecting that this was going to happen. And the brave, using that word in a not nice way, fellow who did that would not walk into where there would be two strong younger men. Yeah. Yeah. He's a coward. Yeah, a total coward, yeah. A total coward yeah. that, without wanting to put fear into people, possibly had done a bit of research in advance of his target, you know? I, it's, it sounds that way. It sounds that no, way. No, I, I, was, just, I was just wondering because, and, and I'm not, I don't want to diminish the impact that any attack or assault or robbery could have on any age group, but somebody much, much younger with a longer life ahead of them to, to experience new things and perhaps get over it in time, for somebody in their late 70s or mid 80s, um, you know, with, with time ticking, let's be absolutely honest with it, I don't know how they would ever come back from it, you know. I, th- I think it actually could hasten their demise. I would be considering that too. I didn't like to say No, but it, when you, I mean, I'm not talking yeah, about Mary and Jerry. They're very strong people. And like for Mary to come on the air yesterday shows how strong a woman he is. But other people would never recover from that. You, it's amazing, different people, different strokes, they've lived possibly a very private life. And now they're out in the public domain for the wrong reasons. So I think that given time and given support and being looked after by the housing and by everybody else and the guards, I'm sure, will do a great job in, in getting the person or persons who did this but when they're gone, how do we make an example of them? Would they have to give evidence, for instance? Uh, yes, if he didn't plead guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that prolongs he, the agony, doesn't it? it brings it oh, all it back up again. That he could keep it going for two years. You know, um, so like if he pleaded guilty, they wouldn't have to give evidence but they could do their victim impact statements to show the impact the crime has had on their lives. Would, di- would people have to see the person who attacked them or could they do it by video? Mm, no. No. There's exceptional circumstances for the video. Yeah. And that's something that could be arranged between the guards and the court service. Yeah. Um, but they might want to see him. Perhaps. Depends on the individual. No. Yeah. 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 And again, what I can never tolerate is somebody has been brought out of a guard station or out of a courthouse, their heads covered with their coats or whatever. Yeah. Do not allow that. Let the people see the scum that's doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and that they surrender their privacy or anonymity on a guilty char on a guilty verdict. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I hope and pray that whoever they are will have a second thought on what they've done now and admit there possibly be a good bit of forensics evidence there as well to to tie them to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that was the case, it would be wonderful. Now, we haven't been yet in touch with Mary or Jerry. <clears throat> We're waiting for McGarrett, the referral. I know Jerry is still in the hospital. Um, oh, you're there for uh, them? With, oh, God, we are. Yeah, we are. And we'll do everything we can for them. Yeah. You start by having a listening ear, don't you? You start by listening and acknowledging the trauma they're going through. Yes, I know, I know, you know, I know. Um, because people, I would always refer to a burglary like that 
and particularly where a weapon is used, is an invasion. It's an invasion of the home. It's an invasion of their privacy and of their lives, putting them in fear of their lives. I know, I know. I hope they're Sorry, Neil, but the people who are doing that have no regard. There are no consequences. You know, going to court, out on bail, out again, and then a small sentence, and some solicitor will be appointed to them for free legal aid and be appealed up the lines, maybe even as far as the high court. Yeah. Waste the money. Yeah. Put that money into Mary and and Jerry yeah. and see them happy yeah. for the latter It's a frustrating like. system a lot of the time, isn't it? Oh, my God. And they don't care. I mean, you know where our officers say right beside the court. Yeah. And what we see on a daily basis is what just make you die. Disregard. The characters waltzing in and out, is it? Or the disregard of them. I mean, I saw a fellow the other day strip down his pants, take off his drawers, pull something from his nether regions, and it was the quickest move I ever saw. Pants back on, runners on, and off. And that wasn't the fire at the courthouse. Drugs, is it? I'd say so. It's out of control. Oh, it's out of control. It is. And, okay, we can say, you know, it's like stop the gender-based violence. How do you stop it? You know, I was reading an interview, actually, with Barry Galvin, the state solicitor, former barrister, solicitor himself. He was saying that years and years ago that a fellow who would be done for something like that, uh, let's say when he was charged and awaiting a court date, he could go on an absolute spree of burglary and crime Uh before he got into court. Um, and everything will be added into the same charge. So you could do as much or she could do as much damage as she wanted, knowing that he or she was going to jail, and they'd only get one sentence for everything, like, say, 12 months. Is it, is it, not, the, but is yeah. it, not, is it not the case now that you serve a, a single sentence for every single one of those multiple crimes, one after the next? I think it's called consecutive. Consecutive. Yes, uh, it can be. It depends very much on the judge. Um, but it shouldn't depend on the judge. Surely, be to God, every single crime should have an independent sentence for it. It should. It should. Because uh, he was again, saying that it had changed, that that was, the, that was the way of it. He's saying that's the way it is now, is Yeah, it? that you, every single crime you commit has an independent sentence for it. That's the impression I got from the, the interview, anyway. Well, reading the papers and being in court, you see different. They just get out too quickly, anyway, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah. They do. I, yeah. I'm watching something the other day. Fella got 18 months, he was out in four. Yeah, I know. It's got to stop. It has got to stop. But how do we get it to stop? I suppose we all have to do our part in in trying our level best to let the likes of Jerry and Mary and that poor man up in Sligo and people oh, all around the country who have being at the hands of this type of thing yeah. it has to stop alright it's of them and the disrespect at half past eight in the morning probably the earliest that fellow was up for a long time yeah 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 oh it's hard to believe listen Sally you're there for them should they and if they do reach out and I'm sure they will to support after crime thanks for taking the call as always and thank you Neil. Sally Hannan on 432 0555 432 0555 
Uh, that, that interview with Barry Galvin is very interesting. It was one of those, you know, the books that were released by different secondary schools there recently where they talk with lots of different people across the country about the turning points in their life. Well, they were talking to Barry Galvin. I think he's, I think he's an incredible individual anyway. And way back in the day, he was a, a defense solicitor and he would defend people in court, you know, accused of criminality. Um, and he had one case years and years ago. He then, um, subsequently went to the, the other side where he started prosecuting on behalf of the, the state. And then went on to become the state solicitor. And the backstory to Barry Galvin, of course, is that he set up CAB, the Criminal Assets Bureau. Much mirrored, actually, on the way the Americans took down Al Capone, I suppose, when you like, went after him for tax and stuff like that. And, you know, earnings and flash cars and properties that these, these um, you know, gangland leaders couldn't prove that they actually went out from did a day's work to earn. But anyway, he, he spoke in the interview of one particular case where he was defending these two characters that were well-known, apparently. Um, I don't have the article in front of me now, so I'm just, it's just from memory. But apparently they were um, accused of uh, robbing a garage, a petrol station, years ago, right? Years ago. Uh, and the petrol station was actually run and owned by two brothers who worked very, very hard, took out bank loans and all sorts of stuff to uh, open uh, the, the petrol station, and it was thriving. Now, for whatever reason, uh, whoever robbed them, and I say whoever robbed them, and I'll tell you why in a minute, um, uh, they uh, must have known that the two brothers hadn't been to the bank for a number of weeks. Uh, and I can't remember the exact number, the exact amount of money that they, they robbed, but they robbed the two brothers, right? And the lads, the two lads had uh, a lot of money at the petrol station. I think in, in today's money, it probably would have bought you three or four, four-bedroom semi-detached houses, the amount of money that they robbed. So it was a huge amount of cash. Um, but apparently, uh, the guards had a kind of an idea I think Galvin was saying at the time that, you know, the vast majority of crime happening in Cork way back in the 70s and 80s was was crime committed by the same 50 or 60 characters, by all accounts, the same 50 or 60 groups or individuals. Um, um, but anyway, with, this, with regards to this case, anyway, so the guards knew anyway that the, the suspects loved to go road bowling, apparently. Uh, so they hit him one morning when they were out bowling at a score of bowls of a Sunday morning, came across them and... Um, arrested them and found that they had substantial amounts of cash on them. I mean, I'm talking about wads of cash, all right, uh, rolled up in, in elastic bands with writing on them. And the writing on them, of course, was um, writing that could be traced back to the petrol station, you know, listing the amount of money on it. I don't know whether there was a signature on it, but it was the elastic bands that were used by the petrol station. There was writing on the bands or writing on the, the wrappers that were identified as being from the petrol station. So it got to court anyway, and it was successfully defended. Uh, it was said in court that the state could not prove that the two lads actually robbed the money from the petrol station because the, the two lads said that they actually won the money from people at the bowels. And there's big betting, or at least there used to be huge betting at a score of bowels. Big money would change hands at road bowling. Uh, and they said they won it that morning, bowling from other people who had that money. And the case was thrown out, and they won their case, actually. They were found not guilty. But to add a kind of a sting to it then, um, the state were then instructed by the defence counsel, I think, I think this was Barry Galvin himself when he was defending, and everyone is entitled to defence, to return the money that the Gardaí had seized from the two characters to give them back the money, right? So the state gave them back all of the money, um, and that added insult to injury to the two brothers. And apparently then, coming down, because this was in the, the high court or the criminal court in Dublin, I believe, and I'm trying to be as accurate as I can with it. Um, Barry Galvin was coming down on the train, right? The two lads were coming down on the train and the poor two brothers in the petrol station were coming down on the train. And seemingly the two petrol station brothers were in the bar area 
while the two characters were buying drinks for everybody. Uh, and uh, it added insult to injury. Uh, I thought it was an incredible story. That's the story of, uh, you know, well, part of the story of, of the great Barry Galvin's career. Anyway, you can get involved in the conversation. WhatsApp your text to 0868104106. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Just a few this side of uh, 10 o'clock from my conversation with uh, Michael McGrath. Big response to that from Friday's program. Well done for putting him, pulling him up on those St. Patrick's Day trips on a personal level. Thank you very much. The answer was silly, but I was delighted to hear someone have the cojones to ask it. Uh, I would love the minister to do a cost-benefit analysis this time next year to see how, all of, how effective all of these junkets overseas. They're like 30, maybe 40 of them are heading away this year. I mean, it's insane. D says we should revisit every year to see how much the junkets actually brought in to the country. My husband and I own our home outright. We never had a mortgage. We have no car loan or credit cards. We have a credit union loan for a thousand euro a month, which we are ahead of paying by two years. And we'll have it paid off before applying for a 150 euro mortgage to build a small extension and renovate part of our house. My husband has to apply a loan because I'm on a social welfare payment. We've been told we may be viewed as risky by underwriters, as I'm considered a dependent because I have multiple sclerosis. I'm 40, unable to work, but able to care for our three children. We don't qualify for medical cards, no benefits other than invalidity pension because my husband's wages are too high. It's a joke of a system. You're better off not working. You're better off not owning a home now. We will not get any extra benefits from the announcement other than the electricity benefit. Well, my point to Michael McGrath was that some people don't need it and others need it more. Uh, Michael O'Leary pays more in tax to the Irish Exchequer in a month than 12 people on the average industrial wage pay in five years. Why shouldn't Michael O'Leary get the €200 ESB credit back? Um, because he probably doesn't want it nor doesn't need it and probably has the cop on to know that others who need it more should get it. Does Do what America does, Neil. Food stamps from middle to low incomes only. Never cash. Um, another one or two. People are moaning when we get nothing and people are moaning when we get something. Come on, make your minds up. Another one. What about me? I'm paying an extra 1050 on diesel just to commute to work, to commute to work over the price of diesel compared to last year. Yeah, and you have to earn €2,000 to pay the 1000 on diesel. I'm hardly ever home with a three-hour daily commute. What's the €200 going to do for me? Lower the cost of diesel, for God's sake. Uh, Neil, keep challenging government ministers. Uh, Could I also request you ask these politicians if they would accept a reduction in their salaries and expenses and pensions in order to redirect these savings to fund special needs schools, social housing, proper toilet facilities in our cities. There are too many expensive politicians in this country and their junkets. Keep up the good work, says David. And just another one or two, perhaps you might ask ministers what they would do about the fact that the Department of Justice, on behalf of asylum seekers, actually bid against local authorities when purchasing homes for asylum seekers. This means a government department funded by the Irish taxpayer is actively working against Irish people in favour of foreign nationals, thus forcing Irish families to languish on housing lists for over a decade and push up the price of housing and rent for everyone else, says Richie. Uh, We'll pick up on that and lots more besides, and you can get involved in the conversation. WhatsApp your text to 086-8104-106. We're back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. And that's the latest news this hour. Before you go, I know you're just back from Bishopstown uh, Court Shopping Centre. Um... 
Are our shoppers upset? Yes, you they know, are. You yeah. Were there. yeah, I was. It's very difficult to gain access to the shopping centre. That's the real problem. The the entrance on the west side, you know, the way you can come off the, the link there, that, there's a tractor blocking there, so you mm. can't come in as traditionally as you would on that mm. side. When you come in the main entrance, you can only use a small, there's a small amount of the car park actually open to you. All those spaces are practically full. So do people and then, arrive confused then? Oh, completely. You drive in. Like you can see the tractors as you're coming in, but you imagine that you can get past them. But you're blocked as you drive in. And then if you go around past the tractors and go past the cars that are along the front part of the car park, there's another tractor parked on that end as well. So you can't get to the back of Bishopstown Court. You can't get towards the front door or to the back. And so they are they are getting a little bit irate. And farmers themselves are like they're 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 talking to the customers that are trying to come in. They're not stopping staff coming in. All staff were able to come in and do their jobs. And they made a point of that. I'm sure you heard Tim Cullinan there of the IFA yeah. so saying what, who that. So what are they stopping? Well, it's customers really that they're asking people to think twice about spending their money in done stores because they're upset the fact that they haven't been able to get get these talks progressed and they're asking people to think about it. They're also very determined they've been there since last night or some of them are there since yesterday morning around 11 o'clock and they say they're going to stay until they they get a, a nod I suppose from done stores management or some kind of a couple of pence on an egg and well, they'll come and talk to them. All and they want to do is come to the table really is what they're looking for at the moment And, and tell me this, are they allowing delivery and produce. I didn't see that now, Neil. It was mainly customers. I got over there just before, about around half a quarter to nine. Yeah. Um, so I assume deliveries would have been much earlier. Are customers um, taking them on? Um, yes, some customers were getting very irate in their cars. Yeah, and now they didn't really, the few that I stopped to try and talk to me didn't want to speak to me. Okay. Um, okay. But they did speak directly to the farmers and asked them to move the tractors. They're trying to get in to do their shopping. And traffic is backing up. So it's back as you arrive in, because you've no way of knowing until yes. you kind of get around that then that I know. you're not going you're to be on able top to of it then, yeah. You are, yeah. And tell me this, I know that protesting is legal, but is blockading legal? You see, I I would say they'd argue that they're not actually blockading. They did leave a couple of cars through when right. I was standing there talking to them through to the other side of the car park. So they're not actually blocking, but it is difficult to gain access I would know, be the best I way know. of putting it. I understand. So they're at their wits end. I mean, it's ridiculous. They are, and they're very frustrated. I'm sure yeah. you heard there, Nigel Sweetman, yeah. talking that farmer there from Kinsale. And they're saying they'd rather be anywhere else. He got quite emotional speaking to me, actually. But sure, they um, can't run their business. That's what he's saying. He said, you know, they really are to the to the end of the tether now at this stage and that this is why they had no choice but to come out and they're going to stay there. Thanks, Lana. 104 to 106, Red FM. Right. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Okay, we're talking about, a love, about love a lot yesterday, it being Valentine's. Spoiler alert, I can't wait any longer now. If you've seen Tinder Swindler, that's great. If you haven't, uh, I mean, I just can't wait because uh, I've waited a couple of weeks now and I'm assuming that anybody who's going to watch it at this stage will have done so. Uh, the Netflix show. Here's an, just as a, as a lead into conversations regarding Tinder Swindler, here's an email that could well sum up somebody else's experience. I watched the Tinder Swindler. It prompted me to write this email. I had something similar happen to me with a guy from Cork. This guy came to do a drainage job in my home when I was renovating. Not very good looking, small, grey hair in his 40s, but he could charm the birds from the trees. He told me that he had split from his girlfriend and she wouldn't allow him to see their kids. Felt sorry for him. We became friends. This guy would ring and call numerous times daily and so led me to believe that he cared and that we were close. He told me he owned his company and drove a Mercedes, wore branded clothes, so I had no reason to doubt him. I noticed one day he was on dating apps and he said he was looking for women in their 30s with no kids anyway. Fast forward a year and he asked if he could borrow some money for his court cases. 
that his financial situation had taken a turn and it would be for a month maximum. Well, I stupidly gave him €10,000 in cash and told him I needed it back ASAP, as it was my life savings and I needed to fix damp bedroom walls. Two years on, I have never seen a cent of my money back and he won't respond to my pleads. I'm sure if he caught me, he has done this to others, especially picking women he has picked up off dating sites. This guy is a total user. I feel a complete fool for falling for it. Well, I know that in other cases, uh, women have actually posted details of men. Um, and I guess the other way around, too. Men have posted details of women, for that has happened as well, online, when they've been stung for money. I wonder if you've ever considered outing this guy so that nobody else gets caught. Um, you, you are right. There is a very good chance that he's hit other people for money, like you, online, or indeed um, out doing jobs where they can pick up on the vulnerability of people. Apparently, they can just read the person within seconds. So, thank you for that. But with regards to... Uh, the Tinder Swindler. Um, let's just have a, a little recap on what that show is all about. This is actually the uh, Netflix trailer for it. And again, uh, I, don't, I don't want people switching off. Clearly, I want every single listener to stay with me. But there's obviously a spoiler out if you haven't seen it. You can find a bit of everything on Tinder. But one little swipe can change your life. I only miss you when it rains. When I first talked with Simon... Immediately, we had a bond. He was smart and funny and very impulsive. I shared my whole heart with him. And then he asked me if I wanted to travel with him. I want a private jet. I was like, He took me to a five-star hotel. He said we had a special connection. It felt like stepping into a movie. And then in the middle of the night, he said there was something he wants to tell me. He said he has threats against him. He needs our cash. $20,000. $30,000. dollars His life depended on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. Who is this guy I've been sharing the same bed with? Then I get these threatening messages. Take my advice. We have no idea what he's capable of. It's just been hell and hell. But we needed to get payback. We don't know how far this conspiracy actually goes. It's just the tip of the iceberg. We had one chance to swindle the Dindler swindler. You want the Rodney? Now, since then, of course, there has been updates to the story involving Cecile and Pernilla and Aileen. I'll come to that in a few minutes' time. But just to talk it through, I'm joined by Nicole O'Brien. She's originally from Inishannon, living in London as an influencer, starred in the Netflix reality dating show Too Hot to Handle, and a school pal of my daughter, Kathy. She joins me by phone. Nicole, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'll come back to your own interesting tales of love and being swindled in a few moments' time, but you clearly have watched The Tinder Swindler. Yes, it's mad. Absolutely insane. It's hard to actually believe, you know what I mean, that he could get away with this. I mean, I know there's been a lot of pushback against the girls. That how How could they be so stupid? 
that they were just following the money and, you know, the, 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 the extravagant lifestyle, the expensive hotels and the private jets. So they got quite an amount of criticism. I think, yeah, they have got a lot of criticism, which I think is a bit unfair because if I didn't have a bit of a similar situation that went on with me, I would probably think the same. But when you're involved in it, you don't even think, like, you think the best of that person. You think, oh, I'm, I love this person, blah, 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 I really want to help them out. Like, and you see their best interests at heart, so you're kind of naive to it. And I think a lot of people watching that probably have not had a situation like that happen to them. So they're thinking, oh, God, these girls are so stupid to even do that. But I kind of get where they're coming from. Yeah, so but did, did, you, did you think at all about why they swiped was it left to reject and right to accept, is it? Forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did they swipe right? Was it because they saw his designer clothes, his flash cars, yeah. his private jet? Oh, 100%. I'd say like that's like an incentive for them to want to be involved with this person. They're seeing the flashy lifestyle, so they're probably thinking, okay, well, I'm single for a while, like, and I'm seeing this fella. He looks like he's got his life together. Um, and he was part of the diamond business, wasn't he? So they're thinking, okay, this could be amazing because yeah. it's the lavish lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was it? I think it was Cecile. Um, kind of lived in a f- kind of a bit of a fantasy world herself, a kind of a Disney world, didn't she? The princess and Prince Charming and being swept off her feet. You know, that was her upbringing, um, and and they were clearly looking for genuine love. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. Like, that was her upbringing. So she's probably thinking, okay, I want someone who's on par with me and my lifestyle. So, yeah, she was looking for love. And, oh, it's just so heartbreaking, all those women. I feel so bad for them. So this is a a pyramid scheme, isn't it? Or or a Ponzi, if you like, where the money that one girl gives, because they took out huge loans, didn't they? And then they took out new credit cards and he maxed all of those out and then he'd move on to the next girl and she drew the same and this was funding his lifestyle for God knows how long. Oh, for years like and I just think it's mad now how he's out living life and he's got a new girlfriend and I'm thinking how the hell has yeah. he bagged a girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how yeah. is he doing it all over again? So, of course, the whole identity of Simon Levev was totally and utterly fake. He was not the son of a CEO of a diamond company. He didn't have hotel rooms no. that none of us could afford on a yearly salary, never mind his own private jet. Um, what happened to you? Oh, God. <laughs> what happened to me? So, basically, about nearly two years ago now, um, I was seeing this guy, and the first day, so we end up... He was Irish. I ended up going back and I thought we were staying in a hotel. But no, we ended up staying with the family for about five days. So it started out very intense. Second date, we ended up going to the Amalfi Coast in Italy. And then about two days in, he tells me he's broke, basically. And I have to pay for everything. So usually, like, I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, he'll get me back. Like, you know, we'll go on another holiday or something. It's fine. But then he starts being extremely lavish with everything that he's ordering. For instance, he would order two main courses, two desserts, loads of drinks. And I'm thinking, is this fella for real? And I, let's say, at the pool, you get the tab at the end of the week. Um, and I had some interviews and stuff during the week. So I was up in my hotel room sometimes. And um, 
I had to wear two drinks, I'd say, by the poolside the whole week. I went down to pay the bill at the end of the week, and it ends up being nine hundred pounds. <laughs> just what? Just the what, what was that? Just the drinks bill? That's just the drinks. Nicole. And I'm thinking, I've just had two cocktails. <laughs> what is going on? And then he wanted an upgrade on the room. The room was stunning, totally fine. So I thought, okay, if he wants the upgrade, maybe he's going to pay for the accommodation. And it was an extra about 150 to 200 a night, I think it was. Oh, my God. And I ended up paying that. Like, he wanted to extend the flight and um, to have an extra day or two. I end up paying that, like, and then he missed his flight, so I had to book him a new one. It was just insane. And then, like, I brought him back. I didn't tell my parents about any of this. But can I just, before we get to you coming back, I mean, yeah. was there any, clearly you must have been on red alert. I mean, were you, were you frightened at all? Or did you feel, what have I got myself into? How do I get out of this? Do you know what? The weird thing is, I was not frightened. I felt like, it was fine. And that's, I look back and all my friends, I'll be on the phone to them during that week and they're like saying, Nicole, this is insane. But in that moment in time, I didn't feel like that. And now looking back, I'm like, what the hell was going through my head? It's absolute madness. What was, was the total bill? Did you ever work out? Oh, it was, I'd say it was about eight to nine grand, I would say. Okay. So like when you was, got yeah, back then to the UK, what happened next? So went back to the UK and then a week later I flew back to Ireland because he wanted to come meet the family. So came back home. I said nothing about all this to my parents because I wanted to see what they thought of him. And instantly my mom pulled me to the corner and said, he's definitely using you. Like he, she was like, I can just tell. Like if the same thing would happen. We'd cop down to Planet Kelsey Muggins here will get the bill for absolutely everything. Oh my like, God. and then we'd go out for dinner, and he'd make my parents pay. And I was just like, and did they? Me? Yeah, they they did, but they said to me, Nicole, like this is just so bizarre. I said, I know, and then I ended it. But, but would he come up with excuses as to why he couldn't pay his share? Yeah, he would say, "Oh, I don't have my credit card on me. I don't have. I left my wallet at home." Um, all this stuff and it just got too much and I think that when my mom said it to me that's when I realised okay this is not the person I want to be with was, I think I'm was he charming? yeah very charming very charming um, so I think that's why I was just so invested in it but thank the lord I saw sense and got out of that pretty fast so how um, did you how did yeah. you how did you finish with him? I basically came back to London um, after he met my family. I was crying on the plane back because I was like, oh, my God, I, everything that had happened, I realised that on the flight back to London. It just hit me. So I rang him and over FaceTime and just ended it. And I also saw messages like from other girls on his phone while he was in my family home. And it didn't even hit me properly until I was back in London. So I was just like, oh, he's clearly using me. And you think there were others as well that he was doing the same too? I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I know that he was definitely onto other girls while we were going out. Yeah. That was just the cherry on top yeah. of the whole yeah. situation. Yeah. And how did he respond when you finished it? Oh, he was not phased at all. And I was like, wow, okay, this is clearly 
him using me for everything then because he was not safe. He was like, okay, I mean, yeah, if, if that's how you feel, stuff like that. And I was just like, okay. See that email that I read out there um, from a, a lady who said that it happened to her, but this guy who could charm the birds from the trees, she also said that um, he wasn't a good-looking guy. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite, she said and described him. Um, so that clearly wasn't her. She wasn't physically attracted by, by his looks. But yeah. in the Tinder swindler, this guy, Simon Levev, not not Simon Levev, obviously, is a good-looking yeah. guy. Is that the is that the first attraction? The guy's got to be good-looking. Do you know what? I think when it comes to dating apps, that's the instant thing that people look at because you can't get to know someone's personality straight away. But I I used to be a little bit shallow and always go for the good-looking fellas. But recently, I've completely changed my type to just being with someone who's got a great personality and who's lovely and kind because it's. The good-looking fellas, they never turn out great. Well, the ones I've been with anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. So they don't have to be all that good-looking for you, but they need to have a wallet no. and a credit card when they go out. Uh, well, no, they need to be able to split the bill and not have me pay for it all. That's all I ask. <laughs> is that is that the most common thing now, that bills are all 50-50? Do you know what? Um, I'm just asking, would you not like a yes. guy to pay from time to time? I, I don't mind it. I mean, for instance, I went on a date the other week and I paid the bill. Um, but then we went out another time and he got the bill. So I feel like it's 50-50 in that respect. Yeah. Um, but then other times, yeah, like some lads will get the bill. But I, I feel like I have a lot of pride with that stuff. And maybe that's my downfall because I start off the relationship by getting the bill. So then my friends have told me that's why boys think... Okay, well, if she's starting off paying, I'm just going to take her for a, ru- a run, basically, and run with this. So, yeah. Was oh, there another story of some... You've had a couple of disasters dating. Got one guy passed out at the table, I believe. Is that right? Oh, my goodness, yes. This is a few years ago. I went to a bar, and the date started off great. She was so chatty. And then he started ordering pints of whiskey. Oh, for God's sake, like, pints of whiskey. Whiskey. I was thinking, oh my god, who even orders that? I've never. No, seen but what, like what that. bar actually even serves it? I, I, it was this random bar on the corner in Shoreditch, like completely random. So, and then he just passed out. So we had the night of cocktails and everything. That was fine. And then we went to this bit of a dodgy bar, I'd say. And um, yeah, he had the pint of whiskey. And then I'm just sat across the way from him and then he starts to sit next to me and very handy and full on Yeah. so I didn't like that at all and then he's downing the whiskey and just passes out and falls asleep on the table and then we're in this bar and people, I'm trying to wake him everyone else is trying to wake him and he's just passed out and then again I get the bill for everything and I was just like oh my god but yeah I've had many disasters yeah but you know there's kind of a bit of stranger danger going on there as well when you're you know dating Mm. online isn't there 100% like I've heard some horror stories about it I've, I've been quite lucky like I have been catfished a few times but in terms of like especially in London because there's so many people and anyone can just make a profile like Simon did on the Tinder Swindler and pretend to be anyone and you get away with it. So, yeah. And can you, can you pick up on a catfishing experience for me? Because they, they seem to have the same kind of patter a lot of the time, don't they? 
Yeah, 100%. Well, I knew I was being catfish. Um, like, this is a few years ago now. This fella I was on to for a few months refused to video call or to meet up. And then I found out months down the line whose pictures he was actually using. And it was a fake account. But even meeting people in person, like, a lot of people edit their photos so much and they look nothing like themselves when you come to meet them in person. And do you, do you, have you ever said it to them? You just don't look like your photograph. You've photoshopped it. Oh, I, I feel like I could not, I, I couldn't say it. I feel so bad. So what, I sit through the date and then I just leave. <laughs> I mean, it's a dangerous world, isn't it? When you think of it, you just yeah. don't know. Like, I don't know why people catfish. What, you know, pretending to be somebody else, never wanting to meet, stringing along this story of lies, and then mm. just dumping the other person. What, what do they get from it? I think that these people who do it um, usually are quite antisocial. I've, I've looked up a lot on this, to be fair. Um, quite antisocial and maybe don't get a lot of attention, so want attention from girls or fellas, whatever it is, by using someone else's pictures, and then they get all that attention. So that's what my understanding of it is anyway. Okay. <laughs> Just back to Tinder Swindler before I let you go. Um, Simon uh, Levev, who's actually Shimon Hayot, spent five months in jail because he was caught eventually. The three girls did mm-hmm. a sting with law enforcement and a, a Norwegian newspaper, as, as you're aware. Spent five months. And as you correctly said, he's back out you know, doing it all again. But the three girls have launched a, a GoFundMe campaign to try and get their money back. So they're not, they can't go after him for some reason. So they're looking for a GoFundMe. Are you, are you okay with that? Um, because some people are saying, why in the name of God didn't they make money out of the Netflix show? Ideally, I think they should have made money out of the Netflix show. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a tricky one. I think they will get a good, a good amount of sympathy from some girls, maybe for the GoFundMe. But I, yeah, I do think they should have got a bit of money out of the Netflix show, to be fair. But, but for an international yeah. show like that, £125,000 isn't a lot of money so far, sure it's not. No, definitely not. And it's number one on Netflix like for the last week and a bit and all over the globe. So, yeah, I think there should have been something given, but Sherlock. How's yeah. life with you? What have you been doing? Oh, life is great. Um, I've got a new dating show coming out in April for MTV America. Um, that I filmed a few months back and I'm doing lots with music I'm working with Anne-Marie's production team and it's very exciting stuff so new music will be released in the next month and a half yeah of course very we all know of Too Hot to Handle that was incredible um, I was looking at uh, just researching some bits yesterday I see a photograph with Justin Bieber and Kanye West you're certainly mixing with the rich yeah. and famous <laughs> That that was that was years ago, you know. That was before you had to handle. I was working oh, right. um, over on my J one, <laughs> on my J one in Chicago, and I met them. <laughs> Are you living the dream, Nicole? I do you know what I feel very blessed, very blessed. Like I love what I do, and um, I feel very lucky. It's definitely different to working my nine to five sales job. I love that so much as well. So yeah. I feel like I'm used to it now. Yeah. My own boss. But Long yeah, may I it continue it. for you. Still looking for love though. Is that right? Oh God. Yes. <laughs> Still expressing everyone's stories of the loved ones. I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to put my phone away. Yeah. Are you, well, looking- you know, when you put your phone away, you're not on dating apps. No, 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 no. I'm not on dating apps. I find. Yeah, I prefer to meet people in person now. 
from my experiences. So, um, yeah, I just want a nice fella, Neil. <laughs> it'll happen, girl. It'll happen. Hang in there. He's on his way. Look after yourself, all right? <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Nicole. Take care. (laughs) Cheers. Bye. Cork's own Nicole O'Brien. We're WhatsApping texts this morning, lads. Get involved in the conversation. WhatsApp 086-810-4106. If you've seen the Tinder swindler, I'd love to get your thoughts on the mad keen. Thank you for making the Neil Prenderville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork again. Cork's Red FM. Sharon Kenny, morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Now, I know that you are very much involved in the whole area of love and romance and matchmaking. In fact, you have your own company and service, don't you? Matchmaker Online, I, isn't it? Uh, yeah, thematchmaker.ie, yes. So we've been talking a lot about something that um, is making the news quite a lot, and that is catfishing, right? Um, yeah. And I know I read out uh, an email on the air regarding uh, a young woman who was catfished by another young woman, um, led along, you know, this back and forth, this banter on social media, never resulting in anywhere, going anywhere. Yes. Um, what did you What did you make of that? Oh, it's very, very sad because the reason, and especially over COVID, I see it happening more than ever. People are catfishing because they're in a relationship where they're probably too much suffocated by that person. They turn to the computer for distractions. They meet other people through, like, through this amount, the amount of people who are meeting people who are married and in other relationships and are looking for that area to escape. So, obviously, this lady was led on by this other lady, in this case, and um, thought she was genuine and realised she'd a partner all the way through this and and she was actually married. Yeah, of course, the story that, and, and of course, the catfisher, um, for for some extraordinary reason, has so much in common with the person that they're trying to catfish. They pretend that their life is similar and they've got lots in common. You're divorced, I'm divorced. You have a child, yeah. I have a child. So that's the kind yeah. of patter, isn't it? But it never results in anything. Sure, it doesn't. I mean, they, they never even speak, do they? Well, they do. Sometimes they do speak. So that's where it goes wrong because um, they, where people go wrong, they don't speak soon enough. So okay. they're doing this texting and fl- flirting back and forth and they're building this relationship. And the catfish is actually mirroring the other person because deep down we want to find someone who can be a bit like ourselves or mirror what we want to be. So that's why people do it. They want to mirror that person that they want to be and they get pulled into this absolute desperate lies. Even when there's alarm bells going off, I mean, this email says, I really thought that this was too good to be true, that another woman could have such a full package. And then another part of it where she was getting messages from people telling her that this woman really wasn't what she was cracked up to be, but nonetheless, on she went. Well, it's like, you know, when you get into, when you're younger and you get into a bad relationship and your mother would turn to you and say, that person isn't for you. And you turn the opposite way and say, I love him. He's perfect. Or I love her. She's perfect. So if something's too good to be true, have a second look at it and say, there's something actually not right here. It's too good to be true. And it's it sounds skeptical, but we have to be if you are in that situation. But there's a way you can get around it now. And 
if you are in that situation, there's called, you can do these reverse photos, reverse engineering. So you just go on to Google, you put their photo in under this app called uh, Reverse Search, and you can look up their name, look at, make sure you know their name, make sure you, full name, make sure you have a picture of their photos, and reverse and see if it's used somewhere else. And you can actually hunt them down very quickly now. And the minute you get that red, uh, that red flag feeling, do a runner. Don't yeah, yeah. Give it time. Because what is it? There's a fake profile behind it, a fake photograph. That's what I found in calls in the past. It's someone else's photograph. You might have a guy. I've seen photographs of guys with incredible bodies with surfboards, for instance. Yeah. And it's not this catfishing character at all. It's just a photograph that he's harvested somewhere. Well, and what's happening now is you can get apps that can give you, you know, the, this absolutely amazing chest for men or, or yeah, and, yeah. And, and abs and everything. Oh, really? You can, can you? Yeah. Let's check that there's out. A, there's, a, there's filters that can take, there was this lady and she took 18 inches off her waistline through a filter and she wouldn't have even noticed that she was overweight. Now, there's nothing wrong with being overweight, but a lot of these catfish people are not happy with their own bodies and because of that, they're creating these fake profiles. So they're living in a, a world of, uh, of of self-worth. Their self-worth is down to nothing. And there's oh. no self-esteem. And over this time, they might feel not attractive at all. And because of that, they they lie. And they, I mean, it's desperate behavior it's, to it's, pull it's someone f- into this situation. It's a form of grooming, really. I mean, I don't know what the consequences at the end are. I mean, the relationships, by and large, don't go anywhere. The peop- In the case of that email, they never even met up. Um, others, yes. of course, groom somebody to extort money, ultimately, don't they? Yes, that's more, yeah, that's more a kind of scam online. And that's, I've actually had clients that before they came to me, that happened to, I had a lady who was even, she was 62 and she met this guy on an oil rig or she, he said he was an oil rig that's why he was away so much they can have Irish phone numbers which is easy enough so you feel that you can sort uh, recognise them more when you see the texting come but the trick is to talk to them as soon as possible forget all this texting back and forth and that feeling of because they mirror you they tell you what they want to you want to hear they've been on your Facebook they've worked out on your Facebook or your Instagram they've worked out what you're like for people who are professional scammers and in the case of this in the case of this client of yours did he try and hit her up for money he did and he actually got 3,000 out of her and she was absolutely mortified and she was a music teacher from the Midlands and she didn't have a lot of money and she had five kids and her husband had died and she'd just gone through I'll say she's from Limerick because she's close enough to Limerick and she'd gone through absolute hardship she had no one she could talk to about it because she felt so stupid about it and then I had another so she was 62 then I had a postman who was 52 and he was done for 7,000 from um, now I'm just uh, in this case it was uh, a Filipino girl that he thought she'd fallen in love with him you know I said what she was 26 did you really think that she was after you for your personality you know yeah but the misfortune but the misfortune did he did. He thought that. Yeah. You know, we yeah. crave we we crave human connection. I suppose we we yeah. crave love. We crave, you know, relationships. Yes, so therefore, you you maybe don't see the wood for the trees. 
You don't. And I have, um, I, it happened to me when my marriage broke down first. And that, Did it? You're looking for love. Oh, it's shocking. You know, and I thought, you know, you, when you're at your neediest, they know it. You know, so I, my marriage broke down and I thought, where do you go? Where, where? And I went online and I met this guy called Eric, who was, I've never gone out with a blonde guy in my life, but he happened to be blonde. Gorgeous photos, gorgeous photos of him and his daughter. I thought, oh, my kids are around the same age. And he pulls they pull yourself into your life and they know so much about you and this is before I went I was a matchmaker and I was they had me wrapped this guy had me wrapped around his little finger and I believed everything he said and I literally I remember the feeling this is 15 years ago and I remember the feeling of kind of rushing home after dropping the kids to school to see was he online so I could get to talk to him that's how bad it was I know and because they wrap you they have you down to a T they know how to Moss you. They know how to work on your weaknesses. And because I was so vulnerable, and in the same case, because this lady who is the uh, 62-year-old from the Midlands, she was so vulnerable. And you're getting this attention and love when you've lost the love of your life. And you just go, and you just crave it. And you're pulled into this horrible circle. But the reason I copped onto it was, and I didn't have money to spend on it, any, on him anyway, but he said, oh, what about meeting in the Radisson? And I said, well, the Radisson isn't that close to me. And I said, would you not go for a cheaper hotel down my way? Mm. And he said, no, no. He said, I, I like the Radisson. And again, he was saying, you know, he was an engineer and worked, he was working from Cork, uh, but he was away at the moment. And then um, then eventually, and it was through emails back then, 15 years ago, but now you can ring someone up straight away. You can hear the accents in, in that case, and it's not all the cases. In that case, this guy was Nigerian. He actually said, I am so sorry. I said, do you know you were playing with my emotions when I... What, what do you mean so sorry? You, Why, what, how, how did it end up? Like, How did it come off the rails? Because he asked me for money, he said there was an accident, and that the uh, he asked me for only two and a half thousand. But there was a woman over in the UK who was done for a hundred and ten thousand a couple of months ago. You didn't give him the two and a half grand, no. Oh, no, I didn't. Sure, I didn't even. The minute he said to me about the hotels, I was going, okay, well, why when I'm suggesting a more reasonable hotel around me, would he actually still kind of persist about the Radisson? And I thought, okay, maybe. But how could, he ever, how could he ever meet you? If he were to meet you, you'd know he wasn't a blonde um, uh, yes, but Caucasian see, male. They, they, they let you think they're going. He even had a date to say when he was coming over to meet me, and this is after like two months. And he even had a date lined up but what happens is they say they have an accident you're there yeah, thinking and yeah. really looking forward to it they think you've that you've completely wrapped around your little finger yeah. and they pull you in deeper and this is where the ladies land up giving away and men uh, giving away more money because okay I'll get him I'll sort out his flight and those details for him so that he can come over and he'll pay me back when he comes here it's happening so much I know and even even where that and that must must have been heartbreaking in fairness to you but you know even where money doesn't yeah. change hands and it's just a relationship that's just built on a crock of lies one must yeah. feel very taken advantage of or exploited oh it, it, it either it, it is the best thing to toughen you up because you go okay that's me being the Egypt and I've learned from this I've learned from this just to not take everyone on face value, value and you know and it's not that you've put up your barriers a certain amount and not when you're that vulnerable 
you know, realised, do you know what? I have to start loving myself first. For me to fall that much head over heels with someone else that I didn't even meet, that wrapped me around a little finger, it just shows you how vulnerable I was. Yeah, okay. And how you were not in a right, and in my case, not in a right position to be with someone because you were, weren't strong in yourself. You were looking de- for them for love instead of loving yourself first. So it's all back that. So tell me, you're the professional. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to, because in an effort to negotiate through the very dangerous waters of relationships or seeking out somebody on Bumble or Tinder or dating apps? You have to, don't even start those conversations and those texts going back and forward for ages. Get and talk to them as soon as possible. The minute you say, hey, you know what, Let's, let's chat. And, you know, some people said, oh, you know, you're very brave giving out your number, that kind of thing. No, you're not. You can block them if they turn out to be weirdos. But you get to, so that's why some people say, oh, I don't want to give out my number. I haven't talked to you long enough. No, don't be building those bonds with that person when that person could be a complete fake. So that is the first thing. And the other thing is, if something's too good to be true, sometimes it is. And that lady said that in in, uh, the letter. She did, Jan. And Damien Laurie, the clinical psychologist, sent a said it to me as well he says the good rule of thumb he said to me is if it's too good to be true it's probably not true and, and sadly that's oh, that's true um, so you connect as soon as possible to them and then you you know then you get in front of them as soon as you can because you, it's one thing having the connection but you want a bit of the chemistry as well yeah. and you, if you don't get the two things there and that's when my clients go on dates and I match make them up they know that the profile's going to match and they're just hoping that the chemistry would match and it's about getting that vibe with someone and not going for second best if you feel like okay I do believe you should give people a second chance but just you know Get, get in front of them and make sure that they are genuine as soon as possible. There you go. There you um, go. There and you if go. you feel excuses that they can't meet and an excuse again comes up that they can't meet, step away. Because if someone cares for you enough, now in the case of the guy who catfished me, uh, which was more kind of a scam than a catfish, mm. um, if, with with him, he actually went and said, you know, my wife died of cancer. And so he pill, pill, they pull you in with their sad stories as well. And you kind of... You're a bit empathetic, um, but sure, he but could have a load. He could have a lo- he could have had a load of other women on the go, and all oh, he, he needed to have. do was to strike with one or he two. He would have, because I remember another case when a friend when I was matchmaking, and this friend and I and we set up two profiles because to catch a cat, catch a catfish, and we actually caught this guy who was messaging her and messaging me, and he said his wife had cancer, and I said, I, and then I was texting. He was actually talking to the two of us. At the same time, with a now, and when you feel that there's text not going through and the conversation stops for a while and then a text comes a while after, you go, okay, he's messaging someone else in between as well. So beware of those kind of, uh, those voids in the, t- in the timing. And this is a uh, warning to men and women, straight and gay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is for anyone who is, uh, no matter what kind of relationship they want to get into. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and you find that they never follow through. And just when you say, okay, can you meet next week? Oh, I can't because of this. And if you hear a second excuse, I can't be because of this. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's happening for a reason. And it's happening either because they're catfishing, because one, they're either feeling a lack in themselves. Like, I mean, the, the, the latest thing is kitten, kitten fishing, believe it or not. And kitten fishing, 
unlike catfishing, are little lies. So, you know, lying about your age, lying about your height, lying about your size, lying about, do you know what, just be real and tell the truth because the more lies you tell, the more you're not being authentic to yourself and you're making, you know, you, you're falling, getting someone to fall in love with you for the wrong reason. And you're not the person that you claim and purport to be. Great advice yeah. there, Sharon. I really do appreciate you taking the call. If people want to hook up with you, I mean, of your services, <laughs> of your services, yeah. that is, how can they do so? Well, if they call me on 0860-711-711. Now, see, I have no problem giving out my number. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so that's 0867-711-711. And right. it's just the easiest way. Sharon, the matchmaker, is the company. Look after yourself. So, Stay in touch, Sharon. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. Bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. Okay, and you can WhatsApp text to get involved in the conversation. WhatsApp text 0868-104-106. And I'll go through some texts in a moment. Caroline, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are okay, you? I'm good. Have you seen the Tinder Swindler? I have. I, I thought it was very good, but like, I think I felt so sorry for him. I think we're all human. We all have our weaknesses. Yeah, I, these these girls were swept up in the moment. It's all very well for somebody to criticise after yeah. the event, sitting down, work, work, watching a show, but not having been through it or the patter of this charming man, um, oh, cool. you yeah. know, it, it's it's probably unfair the amount of criticism they're getting, don't you think? Oh, definitely, 100%. But one part I couldn't understand was, do you know what the friend was supposed to have pretended to got fed up? His bodyguard, his minder. Yeah, he got the a hammering. Minder, yeah. yeah. And yes, his family are supposed to be loaded, but yet they didn't give him the money that the girls had to give the money. Now, why not judge him? Because, well, you know, like, love, if you're looking for love, you could be lonely, you could be, you know, taking advantage of and stuff like that. Like, you know, but um, there was a few parts I couldn't understand. Like, you know, I, I know, like, people could be naive, but I thought she was in a fantasy world anyway, and she's looking for Prince Charming in a Disney movie star, you know. Cecile, is it? Yeah. 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 Wasn't <laughs> it wasn't it Aileen the third girl? Was she Dutch? Wasn't she the one that took all his clothes, all his oh, designer perfect. gear? Well, I have to put my hand on Pretending Eileen was her name. Eileen, sorry. She um she took all his clothes because he he she convinced him to sell all his clothes and that she gave him the money. She sold all his clothes exactly. and kept all the money. <laughs> I thought that was like, a great stroke. It was. I thought the first girl like I don't think that Prince Charming exists. <laughs> You know, in the Disney movies, sorry, it exists, sorry, when you're seven or eight, but come on, when you get older, like, sorry, yeah, Well, yeah. you know, I suppose that's the online world. You're, you're, you're dragged in by somebody's photograph. It's, it's interesting because I was talking with, um, you know, a couple of people there on air over the past couple of days, and they were just a few minutes ago actually referring, Sharon was referring to kitten fishing. Uh, where people lie about their age, they lie about yeah. their appearance, they doctor their photograph. Well, the yeah, swindler. A few friends of mine, they turned, they went online dating, and when they turned up, they were like twenty years old. <laughs> you know? But apparently, everybody—well, not everybody, but an awful lot of people—to be fair, are changing their photographs and photoshopping their photographs. Yeah, e- photoshop. Even, even, even—and I'm not talking about people looking for a date. Even just the photographs they're sharing on Instagram, I'm told, a lot of work has been done to the picture. Well, like, Neil, what's wrong with the beauty and the insight? Especially when you get older. Fair enough. When you're younger, you'll be looking for looks and stuff. You know. I guess that they are they become very anxious because everybody else is doing it and they don't yeah. want to look different. They all, you know, like a lot, of, a lot of people's photographs, they all look the same. 
They're the same well, stand, think, the same gatch. There's a lot of pressure out there as well. You a know? lot of pressure out there, yeah. A lot of pressure. You're in a long-term relationship, though. You're not looking for love. You're not online. No, I just um, on about now that part of the Tinder swindler, but I did feel sorry for them, like, you know, I think we could all, we all have that weakness. Yeah, I know, I mean... I think it, it can happen the best, like that girl that was on, I know she sounded with you there. Sharon. Uh, a while ago, she sounded like a lovely Oh, Nicole O'Brien. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there she is in the Amalfi Coast running up a 10,000 euro bill in a hotel uh, yeah. for a guy who hasn't a penny. As they say, love is blind. Like, you could do things like, you know, when you're getting feelings from, you know, and stuff like that, you know? But would, would anybody stop and think, what is a guy who claims to be the son of the CEO of an Israeli diamond company, who flies around in private jets, stays in expensive hotels and drives Ferrari motor cars. What's he doing on Tinder? Yeah, exactly, one million percent. I have to agree, like... (laughs) Anyway, you're happy enough you're you're going to hold on to your fella. Yeah, happy right. enough. <laughs> well done, Caroline. Cheers. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks a million, There's boys. other shows like that, incidentally. One is called Inventing Anna. I haven't seen that yet, but I remember the, the court reports because she, wasn't she done? Isn't, isn't she in jail, I think? Or she's certainly in court. Story of Anna Delvey, um, who was uh, pretending to all of New York's elite that she was actually a very wealthy German heiress and she hadn't a, she hadn't a pot to her wee in as the fellow says it's called Inventing Anna on Netflix then there's another one that Seamus has gone on about all the time I tried to watch it and I'll go back and try a second time it's called The Puppet Master this con man uh, who masquerades as a British spy and he uh, manipulates and lies and steals from his victims and ruins families in his wake and was doing it for years so Tinder really are very hot in the swindler department at the moment. Anyway, get involved. Text by WhatsApp to 086-8104-106. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818-104-106. Uh, just uh, before 11, and we'll pick up the conversation out of 11, just another update on a story from the back end of last week. We were looking for an LED dance floor. Well, we found one, and I want to say thank you so much to everybody at Ted Dunn Entertainments. We had Susanna Flynn on the air on Friday looking to source an LED dance floor for the Blossom Ball in the Roachstone Park Hotel on March 5th. And Ted Dunn Entertainments came up trumps, and all of the proceeds for the Black Tie charity event are going to St. Killian's Special School here on Side. So great result there. If they had to rent it themselves and pay for it, it would have cost them a grand, I'd say, or maybe more. So thank you to everybody at the great Ted Dunn Entertainments. Um, and of course, Ted, his uh, anniversary of his passing, uh, I believe, was last week. He's uh, a year gone, and it's very sad, but the company continues to thrive. So thanks for coming on board, guys. Do appreciate it. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Okay, and uh, a lot on uh, the past few days as usual, so I'm kind of uh, in and out of different stories. Yesterday morning, we started the week with the awful news of this raider who held a knife to the throat of uh, Mary and her brother Jerry in Boyce Street. Now, I have to say that people were very, very kind, and the GoFundMe was closed off at €31,765. Euro. Even Jim Gibbons Electrical and Security Company yesterday uh, we're on air and got in touch with us saying that they want to put in some sort of security protocol in Jerry's house, which is great. But you might recall part of the conversations on yesterday's program, 
particularly with the likes of Paddy O'Brien, had to do with personal alarms from the, for the elderly. Sometimes it can be a pendant around their neck. Sometimes I believe it can be a, a wristband. And you literally, I understanding of it is that you push it if you feel you're in threat or in the case of somebody in your house or trying to get into your house and it automatically um, sends out um, uh, a red alert to the emergency services, I imagine probably the Garda Shikona. But I, I wanted to drill into it a little bit more. I'm happy to say that Siobhan has agreed to come on air. Siobhan uh, O'Dowd from the Balafihan Community Development Project, which would be typical of a, a community that would come together to try and get these, install and buy these and give over these systems uh, to the elderly, the vulnerable and those that live alone. Siobhan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How so, are you? I'm good, thanks. And thanks for coming on just to explain what it's all about. So, just talk us through it. What is what is, what is the actual system itself? Is it is it a pendant like something you'd wear around your neck? It's 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 um, a monitored personal alarm. So it's it's um, I suppose it's for an individual rather than a house yeah. or a, a window. Yeah. It's or on the like body. That. Yeah. It's on, worn on the body and it's really important that, that when people get there, it can be a pendant, so worn around the neck, or it can be worn like a watch on a wristband. And, and in the event of somebody, like, you know, I, I don't want to use Jerry and Mary as, as an example, but I know, say a I typical know. example like that would be if somebody felt threatened or they have an opportunity to push the button, is it? That's right, because it's... it's, um, it's you know, it's close at hand. It's either kind of um, around their neck or it's on their wrist. So it can be pressed really easily. And when it's pressed, it makes a connection with a 24-hour monitored alarm system, okay. a monitoring station. So it's immediately. And, you know, it's it's um, uh, public health nurses often get on to us to ask for them. It's for people, you know, living on their own or maybe with another uh, older person. Um, it may be if somebody is um, has had a fall gotcha. and wants, wants to raise the alarm. And it, it can mean the difference between, you know, somebody getting help very quickly or somebody having to wait till the next morning. Somebody who's had a fall, of course. Yeah. Or the home yeah. health, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not just it's, somebody who feels that, uh, under threat. It could be a fall but they can't get to a phone or there's nobody in there. When that button is pushed, it goes to a monitoring company. What happens at that stage? Um, When when we do the... um, When we do the application with people for the alarm, um, uh, we we tell them that the... the, um, We'll, we'll put the details onto Pubble and Pubble will then give us PIN number which we'll be able to transfer to an alarm company um, I suppose we don't actually buy the alarms we we simply do the bit for Pubble putting on the, the applications um, but Pubble every two or three years or so has, holds a national tender and um, different organisations tender for the contract and in the case of Cork City Task uh, won the tender last year yeah. and so they're the company who supplies uh, all of Cork City. Um, that, they're when, the company that actually supplies the pendant or the, or the watch. That's right. They come in But yeah. you know, you know when, when somebody pushes, I'm just trying to find out, when somebody pushes the button, um, a monitoring company get an the alarm. alarm goes off. Yeah. Um, when, when that, that uh, engineer from task comes around to an individual that we've we've put in an application form 
when they they take down the details they also take details of key contacts so it might be a family member it might be a home help it might be a neighbor who's a key holder um and so in the first instance when when the button is pressed um there's there's the button or the pendant that's worn on the body but there's also a box that either connects where someone's landline comes in or is or a SIM card unit plugged in, and and there's a there's a speaker on that, and so the first thing the the alarm company will do, it's it's um it's linked to a particular signal, so they'll know that it's Siobhan or it's Neil who's pressed the button, right? And they'll get on and they'll say, Neil, are you okay? Yes. Siobhan, are you okay? You pressed your button, and if they get no response. Uh, or it's not possible for the person to answer um, because they're ill or they're under threat. Yes, they're unconscious. Yeah. They then what the um, the uh, monitoring company do is they get onto the key contacts and they say Neil's button was pressed, Siobhan's button was pressed. Can you get around there? And if they can't raise any of the key contacts, they get onto the emergency. Service. That's fantastic, isn't that fantastic? So yeah. 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 So in and the event of somebody who is under threat in their home they would shout call the guards yeah, and being robbed. Yeah. 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 And and that that you know that's it's kind of like an old speakerphone kind of thing. I know. Like, you know it's very effective you though you're describing it very effectively. And um, it, and it may also it may also um it, you know in 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 a case where and and like you now don't get into people's personal details but it may also if if someone feels under threat from someone it it may kind of alert them that okay this is known about now and and um, and and they may kind of you know it it, it may reduce the kind of harm okay so yeah. like an organization like your community organization Balafian deals with your parish area is that the same with all of the different parishes that somebody takes responsibility for this yeah, it, it has to be um, a not-for-profit organisation. The, the Department of Public decided that about, I think we've been doing it about 10 years. But is everyone, are all parishes and towns and villages doing it now? The whole of the city and, and you know, a lot of county areas are covered. So we would cover a lot of the southwest of the city. Um, Cork City Partnership covers a lot of um, the north side of the city, Mayfield um, CDP also provides alarms. So does Young at Heart in Douglas. Um, so there's there's Bishopstown. There's there's quite a number of not-for-profit organisations okay. who can okay. provide. And what about um, cost then? Is it expensive to maintain and to sign up for it? Who picks up the cost? The cost for the equipment and the installation is picked up by Pubble and ultimately by the the department. Okay. And, and, and the, the rest of it then? Like there's obviously the some cost, kind of a monitoring charge? The cost charge. for monitoring, yeah. The cost for monitoring is um, for people who have a landline, the cost for monitoring is free in the first year. Um, for people, um, and you know, it, it, it used to be, I suppose, that, that lots and lots of people have landlines um, I think it's probably about 10 years ago now the the kind of grant towards a landline for older people was, was abolished and also a lot of people have just moved to mobile, to mobile. that so, is the case with yeah, many people yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there's a sim you know, ch- there's a sim charge anyway for them there's a sim charge yeah. because 
SIM card. The 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 landline um, the landline is what makes the connection if you have a landline unit. Um, if you don't have a landline unit, then you need something to be able to make the connection to okay. the monitoring station. So it's 70-odd it for the SIM and then 65 for annual monitoring, is it? It's 72 for the SIM card, um, which is what makes the connection. And the monitoring uh, for either landline or mobile is 66. So what if somebody just can't afford that? 137 mm. a year. I suppose we, we, you know, we, at, at the time of application, um, some people have both um, a landline and um, a mobile phone and they might give us our mobile, their mobile phone number because they say, you know, that's what everyone calls me on and stuff. And, and we'd ask, do you have a landline? I do. Um, well then, it's much cheaper for cheaper, you yeah, if, yeah. if you use your landline. Would you think that family members would um, would be the ones that uh, actually would pay it for a mum or a dad? Oftentimes, family members do, yeah, yeah. because it gives them also great security because they know that that their parents and their elderly relative is going to be able to to um, get out quickly. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and also, that on top of that, it's very important then that the individual wears it, isn't it? Doesn't leave it on the yes. dresser table in the bedroom, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, and, and that's really important. The weed stresses and the, uh, the alarm installation company stresses, you know, really, there's no point in having it on the dressing table or in the drawer. Yeah, um, no, like no. Sort of. And then there's, there's other people that are... are you know, they're so assiduous about it that, you know, they come out to their groups or they do their shopping and they're wearing it. Now, it will only work in the in the perimeter of... Oh, but kind of leave house, it on, you know, like, leave it house on. House and garden, but people just leave it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And have you... St- do, do, have, have lives been saved in your parish area? Yes, yeah. Um, for, for one older woman um, who was... Uh, used a walker um, and was, was you know, kind of locking up at night and closing up um, in kind of wintertime because it was cold. So pulling across the curtain, across the door to, you know, block the drafts and and actually um, got got caught in the walker and fell. So the difference for that, that person was that she had help within a half an hour instead of the next morning. Oh my God, isn't it incredible? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, it just, and and what we say to to older people is, look, it it can help you preserve your independence um, and and living the way you want to because you know you've got kind of help at the touch of a button. Um, Gotcha. So there's a people. Now, you know, um, it's it's um, very important. Yeah. It's 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 really important. Yeah, you it do. Yeah. Help. No, listen. Um, you've 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 done a great job this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, let's encourage yeah. more and more people to get involved, whether it's a family member or an elderly person. No, it couldn't. It's not necessarily elderly people. It's it's also people who might, as you say, somebody with a walker, might be somebody in a wheelchair, yeah. might be somebody yeah. who has, you know, disability yeah. issues. Um. So I think, unfortunately, the grant only, and we we've. we've um, and all of the organisations that are involved would have fought this fight. But at the moment, the only really strict, strict criteria is that it has to be over 65. Over 65. Say, 
that's that's unfortunate because yeah. there's people who are younger who have some kinds of challenges that could really benefit from it. But but at the moment, that's how it is, unfortunately. In the world we live in now, unfortunately, we have so many different stories. You know, many, many people I of all so. sorts of ages could do with some sort of a panic button around their chest, around their neck, you know. Yeah, I but mean, I, I yeah. think this, this, yeah. this kind of raises fear in a way for, for everybody. And I yeah. suppose just for Mary and Jory, just to say, um, you know, sort of our, our hearts go out to them and, and really really best wishes um, for yeah, them yeah. and if there's any support at all including the, the personal alarm we'd, we'd really be happy to, to support them. Well I'll pass that on I'll pass that on to uh, to Mary and, and to Jerry and family so finally if somebody listening to this now wants to get one they're 65 plus or it's a family member who's maybe a little bit anxious about their mum and dad mm-hmm. where's mm-hmm. the go-to place is it a Google search for something? Um I mean, if if they ring the project here, um, and and it's in our catchment area, we'll we'll just go ahead and process the application. If they ring the project here and and um, and it's not in our area, we'll give them the contact for the group that does it. Okay. And um, so, o two one four three one nine zero eight five is Balfour and Toker City. Four three one nine zero eight five, and if it's not within that your catchment area, you will give them. The details of where is we'll we'll uh, we'll give them the details of of the organisation closest to them that, that processes. Thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much, Yvonne. You did a good job this morning raising yeah. people's awareness, and thank you okay. for it. Appreciate it. Shivana right. Dad and Balafihan. If you want to pick up on this conversation, you can call them, and they, if, particularly if you're in the Balafihan or Greater Balafihan area. But even if you're not, they're happy for you uh, to call, and then they'll give you the details of where would be the closest contact to get a personal alarm. It could be for you. It could be a son or a daughter that wants to do it. It could be a brother or a sister, whatever the case may be. Four three one nine zero eight five. Just quickly, breaking news this morning. We started with this this morning from Dunn Stores, where farmers were uh, protesting at Dunn because of uh, the price of poultry and pig and all sorts of problems with regards to feed and utility costs and energy costs. They're making no profits, lads. They're just not like when you look at the at the price of uh, increases that everyone else is going through. There's been an update, apparently. I believe that the blockade of tractors has been lifted and Tim Cullinan, IFA president, joins me again. Tim, good morning. Neil, uh, absolutely, Neil. I'm delighted to come back to you on your show again this morning and... Uh, we had contact directly from Anne Heffernan, directly from Dunn's this morning, and there is a meeting scheduled for 5 o'clock this evening in uh, Great George Street. That's the Dunn Source headquarters in Dublin. And uh, look, I just want to take the opportunity there this morning on your show to, want to thank the people in, in the Bishopstown area, the people of Cork, to know, for uh, facilitating us and, and you know, working with us over the last 24 hours. And uh, look, it's just. Um, Another uh, move in, in the campaign that we were involved in, and uh, no, as I said, as I said this morning, so we're reasonable people, and no, look, it's it's important now that we have that engagement. Yeah, done. and you think that Anne Heffernan will deliver? She's top of the tree in Duns, like it would ultimately be her call. Yeah, look, as I say, so. Uh, look, we're reasonable. You're ready to make your case for anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm ready to make my case. You know, I put it across on your show there earlier on this morning, and uh, rightly so. This, so all we're looking for here is exit fairness in the food supply chain gotcha. and the 
be a margin work back for farmers. That's gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, that's where we're at. And uh, does that mean that the tractors have left or are leaving, or where are they at now? Yeah, the tractors are uh, immediately uh, within. Uh, informed all our people obviously up and down the country the tractors we have removed the tractors there's no barricade there now I've left the, I left the, the area there myself 20 minutes ago okay. and um, our people have removed the tractors yeah okay. in fact look I'm just to say to, to to your listeners there it's business as usual in Dunn's there as far as ambition right. sounds okay well you feel you felt as if you had no option and it seems to have uh, made a difference. So good luck with the talks with Anne Heffernan and hopefully there'll be some money out of it at the end of the day for hard-pressed farmers. Stay in touch, Tim, all right? Uh, well, indeed. Uh, again, thanks very much for your help, Neil, as well, and, and, and um, to everybody in Cork. Thank you. Okay, pal, take care. Lines open uh, by uh, text. If you want to WhatsApp your text, you can do so to 0868104106 and our new number, of course, 0818104106. we got calls on the way. Thank you for making the Neil Prendiville Show the most listened-to talk show in Cork. Again, Cork's Red FM. You know, you talk of produce and it could be a chicken or it could be a, you know, sausages, uh, rashers, bacon, whatever the case may be. And we spoke a lot about vegetables and growing things and how most of our veg is now coming from overseas. Certainly anything above the ground and green, certainly coming from all over the world. And it's a shame. Um, uh, we were chatting. This is going back to just nearly um, 10 months ago. Uh, and I got a lovely email back from a chap called Daniel Heine recently. So last May 2021, during World Bee Day, you put out, a, as in bee, buzzing bees, you put a call out for anyone who'd taken up beekeeping during lockdown to ring in. I was one of the people that rang in. You asked for a sample of some honey. I didn't forget about you, but I was waiting to get my logo and my labels sorted out before I sent it to you. And he did. Two beautiful jars of gorgeous looking honey. We go through a fortune of honey in our house. So thank you so much for it, Daniel. He says, I only got my labels sorted last week. I was planning to drop them into you sooner, uh, like last year. <laughs> um, anyway, he did send it in and everything's finalized and it's ready to go. He says, finally, true to my word, here's the honey I promised. It's called Heine. Heine B. Pure Irish honey. Heine as in his own name. Not far off honey. I hope you like it uh, and the rest of the team. Enjoy a little taste of the summer we had in 2021. Uh, and he describes it. A floral honey. You'll pick up blackberry and wild wildflowers. A bit like somebody describing wine, isn't it? So let me know what you think and I'll pass on your feedback to the hardworking bees. But he asked me to do a favour because, of course, you're probably hearing the rumble of lawnmowers the odd day now and you hear more across March and what have you. And we'll all be going mad over the summer. He says... Um, Please pass on a message to the good people of Cork. Awareness. Honeybees don't need saving. They have more than enough beekeepers to manage them. Um, We have a hundred native bee species in Ireland and lots of other pollinators besides, you know, lots, you know, even as Buzz, you'd even say that butterflies are pollinators. But he said a few tips who people, people want to help the humble bee. Donate a corner or a border of your garden to just grow wild without cutting it. You don't have to go mental with wildflower seeds or anything like that. Uh, bees like common dandelion flowers and clover, for example. You don't have to just put aside a corner of the garden and don't mow it. Don't cut the grass there. He says, if you absolutely have to mow your grass, that's fine. Then why not try a no mow may challenge? Leave your lawn wild for the month of May or June, as this really helps the bees pollinate and get the essential foods they need uh, for the June gap when the spring blossoms are gone. So they need them then, apparently. And if you want to learn any more about bees or how you can help them, Irish Bee Conservation Project, 
on a Google search, www.ibcp.ie. So there's a challenge, either a little corner of the garden that just grows wild and is never cut, or don't cut it at all for the month of May and help the bees. I love it, so thank you for that. Meanwhile, I suppose lots of emails and texts from yesterday on the attacks on the elderly and some texts to that following on my conversation with Mary about herself and our brother Jerry. Um, I think the City Council should install CCTV to all homes of the elderly and give them some security, says Dan. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that just do it? Criminality is off the charts because Gardaí are nowhere to be seen and the Justice Minister is asleep at the wheel. Um, we don't need a Garda outside every house. What we need is Gardaí conducting regular, non-pattern patrols. So the scum who prey on elderly people don't know when and where a patrol car will be. The Gardaí now are only a reactionary force. We need a proactive force, says Pat. Um, when this low life is found out and gets to court, a bleeding heart solicitor will have a ready-made sheet of the tough life they've had and the poor victim can just get over it and move on, says Anthony. Morning, uh, hi Neil. Drugs are the least of our worries. The HSE is in tatters. Let's face it, the war on drugs is lost. Let's concentrate on the state of our country. And it's not from drugs. Morning. All the Justice Minister has to do is prevent knife crime is to untie the hands of the Gardaí by reenacting the stop and search legislation that was present but was deactivated many years ago. I had a problem with that back in the day. You'd want a very good reason to stop and search somebody. You know, I know a bunch of lads in the Douglas area that were stopped uh, and searched and asked all sorts of questions. Names were taken down and books are in the notebooks and stuff and I, I just wondered why they had done nothing wrong and I wondered then whether or not later on their names were entered into a pulse system you see that's the only problem I had with it the problem with this country is the justice system it needs a massive overhaul and has done so for a very long time mandatory sentencing needs to be brought in murder needs a minimum sentence of 25 to life minimum rape and paedophilia needs a minimum of 25 to life also manslaughter 15 years plus depending on the crime Armed robbery and GBH, 10 years plus, depending on the crime. And knife crime, 10 years minimum. Anyone caught selling heroin should get 10 years. There should be no early releases. All luxuries in prison should be removed. TVs, gaming consoles taken away. Education is earned in prison through work and good behaviour only. Meals, basic. Petty crimes from theft to assault should be put on chain gangs, cleaning up the streets and graffiti with a six-month sentence depending on the crime for petty crimes. The crime does not fit the time in this country. We need to take a look at the American system. Three strikes and you're out. Good old-fashioned horse whipping for these thugs would no doubt be welcomed by most decent people. What do you think of that? Spot a horse whipping for a thug or a lawbreaker. WhatsApp your text to that one to 0868104106. And welcome back to just conscious of people who are queuing up ready and willing and able to get on the air. Uh, Actually, Paul was there a second ago. I'll get him after the break. Hold on. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818104106. Okay, back to the phone lines we go on this busy Tuesday morning. Paul, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm trying to get a handle on this. So the pain that you experience right through your head and out your eye and right across your face is excruciating pain that can happen in a flash. Exactly, yeah. Um, so one minute I, you're fine and the next minute, even maybe even during the conversation with me, it will just blaze and rear up, is it? Yeah, well, mainly at night for some reason. I could be in bed an hour or two hours and then all of a sudden it's just like, 
hot water being poured into the eye, and it's just unbelievable. I'm good man to take pain, but this is out there. And um, it's not like a headache that comes on slowly or, and then gets worse no, than throbbing. This is no, no, immediate. This is just, yeah, oh, like I jerk with pain at night. It's my partner uh, going through hell as well because it's so bad. I jerk and jerk every time it's like more acid poured in or a needle stuck into me. You really just want to cut it over. It's just unbelievable. And I've been to the regional and uh, I went to a chiropractor for three months thinking there was nerve damage coming up my spine. And coming out from my eye. And then I went down to CBD oil, which has has worked. A couple but of drops I'm, of it, is it in the evening or what? The drops in the morning, I'll need to tongue, and then in the evening. And some days I make it three or four days, and I get a full night's sleep. But it's just, every night you're going to bed, not knowing will you be awake at two, or three, or was one. last night, like? Last night was good, no. But the night before, I was up in the front room, so about quarter past four, pacing the floor, back and forth, back and forth. The partner's there trying to give me some painkillers or whatever, but it seems to go through the cycle and then it gets better. But the eye lid drops down, my eye looks black and blue. And the next morning, you know I'm out of control a hell of a night. And to be fair, my job is very good. They see how bad the eye is some mornings and they say, you go off home, they're because they But there's no real answer because my, my parent went on to a site for cluster headaches. And is that what it's called? Is, it, is, that, is that the cluster, di- It's called cluster headaches. Yeah. How, cluster long do, headaches. how long does it last? It could last, so I didn't know it started about quarter past one and I still remember on the chair about four o'clock. Um, in the, in the, in the I, type of pain that's comparable to boiling, boiling water being poured into your eye? Boiling water and put some vinegar in there then as well and stir it around and stick a needle in there. I was like... I'm not exaggerating. As you see in the condition of my face, I'm there when it comes out, you know all the pain. Cause four I, hours I, at a time. It could be four. And some nights I'd have to step the whole night. And some nights I might last an hour or two. But like I'm going through freaking painkillers like the thought tomorrow. What, but I, what I, kind I, of painkiller? Right up to salpidol and all that kind of stuff? Everything. Everything you can buy all the counter I've gone through. And uh, have you gone to an ophthalmologist? I well, I, it's like that. No, I thought I was straining me by watching television. I need glasses, so I went out to Specsavers and they'd done an extensive testing of the back of the eye as well as the front of the eye, and they couldn't they couldn't see anything. And um, then I started putting a patch over the eye at night to block it, thinking I was straining. But yeah, well, no, no, no disrespect to Specsavers, and I know they have ophthalmologists, but perhaps you should be looking at higher hanging fruit. You know, getting an appointment with a consultant or, or surgeon. Like, what about acupuncture? Chinese massage is very effective. There's something blocked there. There's something yeah. blocked. Yeah, that, that's, that was my next avenue. Looking at the chiropractor, said, "Don't go near an acupuncture." An acupuncture coach said, "Don't go near the chiropractor because they, they have their own way." No, no, I mean not at all. I wouldn't listen to that baloney. I mean, you should try try acupuncture. Try Chinese Chinese massage is incredible. But now it's heavy duty. It's it's heavy duty uh, massage. There's a there's a fantastic uh, practitioner inside in the city. I can maybe try and get her phone number for you. Uh, off yeah, the air, you yeah. know. I'm not can't guarantee anything, but at least at least you're you're investigating all avenues, aren't you? Oh, of course, I do. I, I do. I, you know, this is because it's a fright when you go to bed not knowing will you have a night's sleep or not. You know. Um, and what and did the website for cluster headaches say? What did it say? Well, a lot of them went to CBD oil, and then, funnily enough, microdose magic mushrooms. Oh, be very careful there, boy. Oh yeah, I don't know, but they, that's where they just that's coming up quite a lot on the cluster headache site. Um, 
I wouldn't it's cut down that route at all, but I'm just saying that's Where did you, where would you get do. them? Would you have to go to a dealer, would you? Um funnily enough, I was told to go to some kind of farm um, in September that kind of time they had to come out, but you looking at that, you could pick the wrong one, you could be dead in a couple of hours. Well that's what I'm saying. I mean you want to be really careful and microdosing is tiny amounts. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like when we but looked you, don't, the you site, probably don't care about the legality of it, you just want the pain gone. Oh, jeez, I don't want to get rid of stain. Like I said, I spent a lot of my in the chiropractor now, to no avail. Three months of it, and they really worked hard on me. Um, and then, like that, different types of clinical you know, during the day there, my eyes start watering, um, and I put on the sunglasses or whatever. And yeah. Have, really, you, it's definitely, have you had an MRI? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up in the region, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that, that didn't show, but this Australian doctor out there, she said it seems like cross headaches, but a lot of people don't know anything about it. I never knew anything about it, do you know? Um, so my partner researched fans, she searched out, and then we figured out what it was. And I talked to, talked to my pharmacy down um, the chemist, and she suffered with it as well. And she got some work with needles up in the region or something like that. So I. I don't know what way to go, to be honest with you. Anyway, no, it's sort of popping up there at this stage, you know. Right, and that, and that's why I wanted to chat with you, because you never know, somebody may have been through it and has a solution to it. Exactly. Oh, otherwise, oh, geez, I appreciate have they said that this... How long is it going on? Since last April. And is this destined to carry on forever, or will it pass? There's no... Apparently, there's no <laughs> quick solution. It's only pain management is what I have to try to figure out. And like if it's take tablets every day, that's fine. But so pain management it. doesn't fix the problem; it masks the pain. Yeah. You know. Oh, but I don't want to. I don't want to be on tablets. So I, I, the only reason I take them is to, to, to get to sleep. Is that maybe that really night. bad migraine? No. No, Jesus, by far. Multiply that by twenty, thirty times. How like do you? How do you go on like? With that? Well, I, I don't know. Sometimes, like, the parents are like, Jesus, I, there's nothing I can do. She's there trying to help me, but it, it just has to go through it. I'm holding my head in my arm and I'm down in the chair, and every few minutes, I'm just jerking with pain. So, like, I'm not. You like, must have some nephew, resolve and courage, by and bravery to carry well, on. Well, saying that, no, me and my nephew, Keen Ryan, got a serious surgery, so my problem is minor compared to him and I wish him the best and fastest ah, to play. recovery yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah, he's yeah. more important no like in this stupid eating but yeah it's just fucking crazy it's crazy unbelievable I wonder has anybody been through it or have any advice to give in I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk to yeah, someone well, really mushrooms that's a dodgy area to be going it's a dodgy it's a dodgy area yeah unless there's some like, kind of equivalent to it in the alternative or natural treatments I don't know yeah well that's why I'm, 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 CBD oil is natural you know what I mean but it, it, I, I could get four or five days sometimes there, but oh, it's a brilliant, and then I could get four bad nights, or maybe a week of bad nights, you know, you just never know, I can't what plan anything, a, you know. cannabis, would you smoke it, no? Chew it? I, tr- I tried one, one proper off there, I don't know, a few months back, and that actually just made it worse. Oh, I was just lying uh, yeah, awake, yeah, yeah, didn't no, you're, 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 Yeah, you know? no, you're doing everything you can. I hope I yeah. get some calls from people, but I'd be encouraging you. Certainly if you said that there was some sort of a needle-related treatment that sounds a bit like some yeah. kind of ac- acupuncture at the CUH. Have you a medical card? No, I don't. No, no. Like, like that. No, like the CBD oil is expensive. But I'd pay it's 95 euros a bottle. Like, but I'd pay that if it was guaranteed to work from here on in. Do you know what I mean? But um, there's just no guarantee. That there? It- there's something trapped there, you know. There's some kind of inflammation yeah, but- or blockage or something going on there. 
I'd be just red, red, red raw, like, and just leaking and pouring water over it. I've often put, this is not shocking, I've often put a wet towel up the side of my head and it would be dry in a matter of minutes. My partner can prove that. Isn't it unbelievable? You must, you must not. Yeah. Have a, yeah, I mean, you mustn't have had a good night's sleep in a long time. Because one good night's sleep is no good. It has to be consistent. Exactly. Good sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, definitely. like, you, you could see, you can see the difference in me. Like, when the eye is sagging, you know that I'm very tired from it. Um, and then I take night all, which is the natural sleeping tablet kind of thing, but. I could wake up again in two hours, you know what I mean? I got another call here for someone who's got restless leg syndrome, which is an entirely different thing, of course. Yours is identified as cluster headaches in the head, the side of the head, the eye, the face. Uh, I think he, I think actually ended up on morphine. Um, Did anybody ever say anything like that to you? No, 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 no. As I said, I don't want to entice for the rest of my life, but if I could be on something natural that will clear it or reduce the pain... That's all I want. You I'd, know be, what I mean? I'd be trying a couple of sessions of acupuncture or Chinese massage. Chinese massage apparently works very well for blockages or trapped pain. Yeah, well, maybe I can get an have a look at that in the next couple of days or okay. whatever, you know? Well, let, so. Let's see if anybody has anything to offer. Maybe they've been through it. Um, maybe maybe they may have some advice that they might be able to direct yeah. in the right, in the right oh, point you in the right direction. All right. I'd appreciate it. And thanks for the call. Not not all. Again, I know, Paul. My nephew, Keen Ryan, just look after himself, you know, He's more important now, you know. And and what do we know about Keen? Is he is he is he making a recovery? Yeah, he's just out of hospital since Friday. Five weeks there of serious surgery on his head, and uh, I just wish him the best. He's young for a nice lad, so uh, him now is more important, you know. So all right, I just okay. wish him the best. Well, that's very magnanimous of you. I'll be back to you, Mike or Paul. All right. Okay, Neil, thanks for Anybody help? Because you can really feel his pain if you like. It sounds to me absolutely unreal and off the scale. Uh, anybody been through that or similar to it, particularly with regards to the alternative or natural routes that one could take, please get in touch. Pick up the phone 0818104106. You can WhatsApp your text, only WhatsApp at the moment, lads. WhatsApp 0868104106. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I don't, I don't see the connection between the two, but I'm happy to chat with you all the same. Are you okay with that? I am, of course, yeah. Um, what, it, what it is is that I, I'm after ending up with a, a leg, a reckless leg syndrome. I googled it, and um, it's a nerve that wakes up in the, in the evening when I sit down in about eight o'clock at night, and it stays with me until about eleven. And when I go into bed, then it's a bombing pain down my leg. It's like if you fell into a bunch of nettles. Why? At, why? At, why at night? That's when it starts off. If you, I, if you Google it, reckless leg syndrome, it's a nerve that goes to sleep and wakes up. The nerve wakes up at you. Yeah. Yeah. And what and are you on? Pro- what are you? Is it? Is it bad pain or is it just annoying? It's a bombing sensation down the side of your leg. It's a nerve. It's a nerve. Whatever the nerve is blocked between the brain and your leg. It doesn't describe it very well, um, restless leg syndrome. It sounds a lot worse than that. It's painful leg syndrome, really, isn't it? Yeah, but if you Google it, reckless leg syndrome, that's what I tell you. It starts off in the evening and it gets worse by night when you go to bed. The bombing sensation, I'm... I never got a night's sleep in three months. I'm sitting at the side of the bed. I get two hours sleep, and I'm awake 
into bed again after about two hours. I'm up again after an hour. I'm sitting inside the bed at six o'clock in the morning. I go back into bed at half past six, seven, seven o'clock, and I get the best sleep in the morning between seven and ten in the morning. And what about the rest of your day then? You're trying to catch up and make up and half asleep all I'm day. Perfect. I'm perfect all day then. The pain is gone by day. I'm sitting here now, pain free. And tell me, what do you what do you want for it? I'm on morphine tablets. I'm on lurker tablets. I'm on sleeping tablets, and nothing will take this thing away. Surgery? Nothing no, was there no surgery offered or anything like that? No, 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 no. It's a thing that'll come and go. It'll, it'll come and go away in its own time. Is it nerve related? It's nerve related, yeah. It's now it's in the nerve between your leg and your brain. Can't switch it off, obviously. But why? Why? Why do you have to live? Will you have to live with that all your life? I don't know. How I long have you know. got it? I, I, about three months now. Three months, and I'm on morphine tablets. I just took them there now, and and the Lyrica, and they still does me no good. I was thirteen stone, and now I'm eating the half stone from medication. Oh my oh. god! Yeah. Did you put on that weight in months? I did, over medication. Only? I mean, did your diet change or anything to go from 13 to 18? No, I, 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 I eat mostly fruit. I has a good meal, a good dinner. I has a very light, bre- very light breakfast, brown soda bread and, and eggs. And you and went from 13 stone to 18 stone in how many months? Three months. From bloating? What's that? Bloating. Yeah, just put on so much weight from tablet medication. But that doesn't sound like weight to me. That sounds like fluid. Well, no, I'm on water tablets. I take two um, water tablets. Who puts on five stone in three months and 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 eats yeah. and eats a healthy diet? Like a healthy a healthy diet, all for fruit there. There's a big bowl of fruit in the kitchen all the time for me. The the, the wife goes from all the time for me. You know that you can eat too much fruit. Did you know that, Michael? It's got a lot of sugar in it. So a diet of fruit is not a healthy diet. I know that, yeah, but I, I don't eat too much fruit. I might eat a, a, banana, a banana throughout about four hours afterwards. I'd have an apple and I'd have an orange in the evening. That's astonishing, though, that medication can change your weight. Med- medication. 13, by f- I know it can. I mean, I know that it can, but f- like that's a third of your weight. Yeah. Yes. It is, of course, yeah. It's actually more than a 13 stone to 18 stone. And it's yeah. it's liable to continue to you'll continue you'll probably get more and more bloated and heavier. Well, that that I that's the I don't know what's what is in front of me. I just don't know. But the this reckless strike syndrome is is starts in the evening, and when you get to bed, go to bed, it gets worse, and you won't get a night's sleep. You just can't get a night's sleep. The wife wakes up there during the night, and all she can see is me back facing up. I'm I'm me my back. I'm sitting at the side of the bed. Does it get? I mean, does it psychologically? Does it get you down? It gets me down a little, but it's a thing that I get a good two or three hours sleep after seven o'clock in the morning, and I'm okay then. Okay, okay, okay. And you'd like it? You'd like to get better, wouldn't you? Oh, without a doubt, yeah, yeah. I'm after trying every medication. I'm after trying every cream, and it's no good. Nothing will work in it. I put a lukewarm hot water bottle on it, thinking that I would ease it, but it made it worse. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. 
right. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you never know who might be listening who's been through that. A bit like the cluster headache story. They may have advice or, you know, some kind of a solution that worked for them. All right? Yeah, no problem. Do you, take, no do, you problem. Take, do you ever take magnesium tablets? I'm on them. Are you? I'm on them, yes. I'm on folic acid tablets as well. Yeah, magnesium's good for joint pain. Yeah. Okay, okay. I yeah, like I can't take I like anti-inflammatories. I can't take anti-inflammatories or my kidneys because I, I'm suffering right. kidney trouble. All right. But okay. I okay. every painkiller and there's nothing will work. Nothing. Okay, I'd encourage nothing people to get in touch work. with me, see if they can help or point you in a better direction. All right. No problem, Lee. Thank you very much. No, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Tough life there from both of them. Back after the break. Get involved. Text by WhatsApp 0868 104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868 Red FM. A couple of storms on the way and we've got a perfect storm going on as well at the CUH. Uh, how related to this to COVID catch-up or the backlog is, I don't know, but the emergency department at the CUH is just absolutely up the walls and has been for a number of days and I'm also told uh, that it's been backed up with regards to ambulances as well and some people are being triaged or checked in the ambulances. This is what I'm told because of the massive level activity at the at the CUH Emergency Department, the A&E. Uh, in fact, University Hospital has issued a media statement saying just that, exceptionally busy, increased level of activity, uh, affecting admissions, regrettable that people may experience delays in the ED. Now there's normally delays but I think what they're saying is that with the increase in attendance because of large, large numbers um, and they're also trying to see very ill medical patients who need admission. Uh, they're just letting people know that there are other options which is your GP, South Dock, the Mercy Urgent Care Centre um, and even over West would be the local injuries unit in Bantry or the local injuries unit in Mallow. Um, they're just that busy. They're asking people to think twice before you head to the A&E department. Paul was ta- on talking about his cluster headaches, uh, prompted calls from Michael with regards to his own pain. Um, uh, it's it, it, like, you know what a cluster headache really, I think that really is the job of a, you know, a consultant, a surgeon, maybe a neurosurgeon, I would have thought really to have a, a closer look. I mean, he wants to go an alternative route. I understand all of that as well. But back to the phone lines we go. What have I got? I mightn't get both of them, but we'll see how we go. Thanks, guys. Elisa, is it Eliza or Elisa? Elisa. Lovely name. Um, no, he talks of cluster headaches. You talk of migraine. It's kind of the, yeah. maybe the same family, but he describes it as being boiling water with vinegar added being poured into his eye. Yeah, I get something very similar. They said, I went to the... Well, it started with me on the 24th of January. I was at work and uh, I started losing sight in my left eye. And it was, uh, my eye was flickering and stuff and it started getting very dry. And it was almost like a burning sensation in the eye. Now, my GP referred me to eye casualty in Waterford and they told me I had dry eye syndrome. Um, And when it would come on, it's like acid in my eye. It's my own tears are like acid and I had to put drops in. Is the pain and unbearable? Like, oh, it's unbearable. Like, it's just you can't see, you can't open your eye. It's literally just the worst sensation. Um, would it be long? Does it pass, or how long? Would uh, it? It, well, if I don't put drops in it, it would last twenty minutes to half an hour, and I'd have to put a cold compress on it to try and ease the, the burning sensation. Paul could be four hours, and nothing works. Nothing works. And it's just, it's the worst pain. But, but mine would be followed with um, a, a migraine on the left-hand side of my head, as well as the left eye. And only I only got it 
discharged from hospital on Friday from it because I got admitted to Tipperary Hospital because of the eyesight. So is it migraine? They don't know. They're they're pushing it down as a migraine at at the moment, but I'm currently under review. And do you have have problems with daylight or natural light or artificial light? I've been wearing sunglasses, ridiculously, I've been wearing sunglasses since the 27th of January. You don't have conjunctivitis, no? No. No. Okay. Okay. And um, they've tested me for um, a brain tumour, they've tested me for blood clots, um, they've tested me for intracranial hypertension, uh, they've done all tests, they can't figure out what it is, so they're putting it down to something called a status migraine, which is only affects like 1% of the world population. Yeah, like migraine, and, I'm told, is very debilitating, isn't it? Yeah. Like people literally it, cannot function, can't work, mm-hmm. can't even hold a conversation. Yeah, and it's like a migraine should only last from four to seventy-two hours. That's only? as long as it should last. Yeah. <laughs> talk about that when you're talking about chronic pain. Yeah. It feels like, like weeks. Yeah, and like mine's been going on since the twenty-fourth of January until like I've only just recovered from a migraine, like about an hour ago, and like I get four of them a day. So do you work? Do you function? I, I can't work at the moment because my doctor doesn't recommend me. I, I'm a medical secretary and I just, I can't return to work since the 24th of January. And you drive? I, I can't drive either. The sunlight is too bright for me. You want to get this sorted, wouldn't you? I know. And as I said, I've only just been discharged from hospital on Friday. I was admitted for the week where they did all their tests and everything. Like, And he's going to bring me back in in two weeks' time. And if I'm still the same, he's going to have to readmit me because they don't know what's happening. He's talking about you going under the knife or anything like that? um, I'm going to be referred to a neurosurgeon and they're going to see what they can do about it. Have you tried anything alternative? Um, Well, no. I'm kind of very anti that. Like, I'm more science way like uh, oh, follow science yeah. yeah yeah you know a lot a lot of the science came originally from homeopathy and natural remedies and it did yes know, it yeah. did I know you're just not but, comfortable um, with that route yeah I'm on like other med- medications and stuff um, so I would be just worried about mixing you know yeah. pharmaceutical stuff with yeah. Yeah. homeopathy and so I'd be worried about doing something like that so it's just um, I'm just going to try and stick with everything that's you put any weight on from the painkillers and the medicine, mm. med- medicine? Um, l- luckily no I haven't if I think I've lost weight because I can't eat at the moment well when Michael was talking he said I, w- I used to weigh blah 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 I, was gonna, I thought he was going to tell me he had dropped weight he actually put up nearly, uh, nearly, a, nearly half his body weight yeah, Four I know months. I heard that. Like, I know it's madness. Like, um, it's the nausea and the dizziness for me that I can't. I, I'm not eating as much at the moment. Like, Unreal. I can't bear it. Unreal. Listen, um, I hope things work out for you. I hope so too. You never know. People might have been through your journey already, and I'm seeing texts coming in as well. So, if any come in with regards to your own situation, I'm happy to yeah. read, read them out. Make sure you stay listening. I will, I will, Neil. Okay, thanks so much, Elisa. Take care. Cheers. My apologies. I didn't get to our calls this morning. We'll pick up the conversation in the morning. If you want to get involved in anything we chat about, please do so. Email is very handy. Email neil at redfm.ie or you can WhatsApp your text to 0868 104 106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.